79% of the individuals who commit suicide are men. I believe the total well-being and health of men is important, physical, mental, and emotional. My reason for uh, wanting to start the Mental Health Podcast was to address topics that we usually don't talk about as men, depression, um, relational issues, parenting, or even issues we have with our own parents. Well, welcome, fellas, to the Mental Health Podcast. Um, I have my I have a couple of guests. Uh, I got my guy Kerry turning the building, uh, aka Sam Carlisle. I got Dre Scott in the building. What's going on, fellas? What's Boy. going on? Thanks for having us. I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate having y'all here today. Um, yeah, man. It's I, I want my manhood, man. I don't want no. Yeah. No, that's right. I ain't going ball. Yeah. I go ball first. Yeah, I go ball absolutely. first. Y'all, would y'all take any of that medication? Uh, to to bring my hair follicles back in glory? Nah. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. if that means that I'm gonna have to sacrifice fertility or uh, right, right. If it means it will result in erectile dysfunction, absolutely not. Nope. Yeah, I don't want none. I don't yeah, want none don't, of that. I don't. Yeah, and I think men, we we have other ways to other re redeemable qualities that we can, you know, if we go bald, we could just increase our bank account or something. <laughs> we go bald, we <laughs> pull a, uh, you, a two pay out the. Usually, it's not that it's not as bad. Like when I went bald for a little bit, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Of course, I was like, man, I want my three sixties. When I looked at old pictures, like, man, I want my three sixties back. But right, right. Uh, you can. You grow some facial hair. There you go. And go bald. That's the solution. But if, if you, like, if you're struggling, like I am, to grow facial hair, like. You got that baby face Johnson over there. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. Like, I don't, I don't think I grew facial hair until I was well into my 20s. And the little that I have. But I know when I started thinning out, I thought to myself, like, dang, I can't be, like, fat, black, bald, the whole thing. Like, I got to, something got to give. Like, so, I'm, right. you know, like you said, redeemable, redeemable qualities. You can get into the gym. <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? You keep a fresh lineup on your face. Something. Right. Like, right. At the end of the day, it's all vanity. But you know, we do care about our appearance. You know, so. My right. said black and ugly as ever. <laughs> <laughs> however. <laughs> however. <laughs> however. Right. Right. Man. Right. That, that however makes the difference. <laughs> it made the difference. Man, it does. Yeah. That that however makes the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so, fellas, again, this, of course. The, the mental health podcast. So we address the tolls that life take on men and try to figure out how we can afford those tolls, how we can uh, pay those tolls and maintain our overall health, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, um, you know, what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's basically overall how, how are we improving ourselves so that we can, we can uh, pay these fees that, that mm. uh, life, life wants from us, um, but do it. Like I said, um, while maintaining uh, overall health, mental, um, it says uh, seventy percent of all, seventy percent or more of all suicides are men. Um, seventy percent, mm. the majority of pr men and people in prison are men. Um, so, man, life is hard, d difficult on us, and we're told to just be, suck it up, be tough, don't talk about it. But usually, that's at the detriment of our own health. When we ain't discussing it, how can we become better? We just, and, and sometimes we don't even have our own fathers around to uh, help us through those times. So 
it, it sometimes get, gets bad on us when we ain't when we're not uh understanding how to deal with these things or even talking about them amongst each other so that's that's the reason for this platform so to, to have those uh more of those conversations on how how are we doing because i experience things that maybe you don't you haven't gone through and we could i could talk about it and vice versa you guys have you know experienced some things that you know that I, i'm not familiar with and you can give me some direction on on certain things and i think that's the importance of dialogue amongst men um, so that we can be better for ourselves and for our children and for our families. Um, so that's that's the purpose of uh, uh, this platform and and just to have the conversations that we have we have we have these conversations, but they're not. We don't usually we've had these conversations many a times, but we don't. Uh, I, I I thought it'd be good to to put them out so more men can hear them, um, so we can help the and women who are dealing with um, these men as their sons and husbands and. Uh, nephews and uh, vice versa. I mean, and uh, so on. So, one of the the things that I did I did want to talk about today was so I was watching. Um, I sent both of you a clip of it. Um, Doctor, it was Doctor Warren Farrell. Doctor Warren Farrell wrote a book called The Boy Crisis. Uh, Doctor Farrell, I was watching the um, an interview of his. Um, and he was part of the the women's movement um, early on, and um, he was an advocate for them. I think he was on their board and um, was uh, advocating for women's equality, and and specifically in sports. He thought women should have the opportunity to play sports and compete and be competitive. Um, but there was a couple things that uh, he found out during that time. Um, of being a part of the women's movement. And he said uh, one of the things he noticed that there was a strong emphasis on uh, women's freedom within that movement, um, a strong uh, freedom of divorce. They wanted to be able to divorce. They also wanted to be able to, um, these are a few notes I took from watching the interview he did that uh, caught my attention. There was a, um, so there was a, a strong emphasis of freedom of, to. Especially back during that time, women weren't when women weren't in the workforce. They pretty much relied upon their significant others, their husbands, to provide. Um, so of course they wanted freedom from from that. They wanted uh, so divorce. They wanted to uh, be able to ch- what did he say? He said children without. They wanted to have children without being married. They wanted the freedom to have children without being married. Um, one thing he did state, like today, he said about fifty three percent of women under thirty. Uh, have children without being married. That's 53%. Um, he didn't give opposed to, like, I didn't know what it was back uh, during that time when the women's movement was prominent. And But he said today, 50, more than half of women under 30 are having children without being married. Um, and they believe that women knew at that time when that was, when this was occurring, when uh, the women movement was a big thing. They thought women knew what was best for the children. Um, he said what he noticed at feminist rallies, uh, he saw when he did go to the feminist rallies, he, he saw many many books about Lenin and the nuclear, nuclear family being uh, patriarchal. Mm. Um, and that they, uh, and that, um, they were oppressing for women. Um, 
what else? He also saw, he said feminist movement grew out of the, the two uh, iterations, civil rights, uh, out of these two iterations, civil rights movement, where there were uh, an oppressor and oppressed. Um, and then he said also after Marxism, um, oppressor and oppressed amongst them, amongst them. What else did he say? Some notorious characters, Carl Lennon and uh, or Carl yeah. Marx and, and Carl Lennon. Marx, yeah. <laughs> See, I wasn't familiar. I heard of it of the Marxism, and but I wasn't familiar with them until. Still not, but yeah. that's what he attributed to the. Uh, so those two movements, and also he he spoke of the. Uh, let's see. Early feminist movement groups like the uh, the stockings, the red stockings. I've never heard of them. I'm not familiar with them. He said, but they were built uh, in Marxism and the belief of oppressor and oppressed. So that's where that came in and uh, pitted the women against the men because they believed that because of Marxism within there. They said uh, that because in... <clears throat> He stated because of the Marxism, and that's what that's what was uh, believed in there. That well, that was a lot of that going on in Marxism, oppressor and oppressed. That uh, the Red Stockings brought that to the feminist movement, so that that's where that mindset of women being oppressed by by men. And then he spoke of some of the um, some of the the adverse effects of women wanting freedom and kind of how um, it became selfish at the detriment of the children. You know what's remarkable about the conversation, in my opinion, is it's an age-old conversation. It actually goes back, you know, depending upon what you believe theologically or you know, philosophically, but it goes back to the creation epic. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to read a, a scripture now, go ahead. Which is appropriate because it is the Shabbat. Mm -hmm. It's the seventh day of the week. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So, Shabbat Shalom. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I remember saying to myself, I want to read a couple of scriptures, if you don't mind me interjecting. Like, but I remember saying to myself, so there's a woman named Madam H.P. Blavatsky. Mm -hmm. You remember Blavatsky? Mm -hmm. So she's a th theosophist. You know, Theo, mm -hmm. Greek word for God. Sophia, where we get the, the word wisdom from. So theosophy, the wisdom of God, or God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. So her, her premise was God inverted. So she believed that this deity that the Bible uh, expatiates about is actually the evil or notorious one, and that this figure, we call him Hashatan in, in Hebrew, which essentially means the adversary. Satan's not his actual name. That's just his title, the adversary. So anyone can be Hashatan or Shatan or a Satan, if you will. So, and Satan was actually the liberator of men. Mm. So this is where the story Prometheus comes from. Gotcha. You know, Prometheus gave men the fire that would go on to liberate them so that they would potentially be able to defeat the gods, their oppressors. Okay. So God is oppressing man. So man wants to liberate himself from the oppression of God and woman wants to liberate herself from the oppression of man. Mm. So this goes back to Genesis chapter 3. In my opinion, I could be wrong. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But 
I'd like to read Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 20. So this is after the woman had consumed the fruit, and she gave to her husband, who was with her, and he consumed the fruit. I always thought, especially earlier on in you know, my uh, reading of the Bible, I always thought that Adam, or Adam, her husband was like down the street somewhere. I had no idea that he was like beside her. Because I'm thinking to myself, like, who would allow their woman, who, who would allow their defenses to get infiltrated by an enemy? Mm -hmm. But then did he perceive that he was an enemy? You know, it's all, you know, we can get into all those discussions, but who would allow their woman to get approached by somebody and gained? Especially if they're considered the enemy, like. Yeah, yeah. especially. Right. Like, you're, I know what, I know you, I know who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. So if that's, if that's the case, like, how does he allow Eve to, to get gained mm -hmm. and if he's beside her? If he down, I understand. Again, the way I reconciled it is there's no way he's around. Eve mm -hmm. is solo. Mm -hmm. Satan is macking her. Mm -hmm. Adam comes after she gets macked. Right. And eats the fruit. And then, right. But it, it, it appears mm -hmm. that Adam was potentially right beside her, right? So this is after all of that occurred. So verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And then Yah Eloheka, or Yah Elohim, made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then Yah Elohim said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, Yah Elohim sent out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out of the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, or the cherubim, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Mm -hmm. So that was essentially the conclusion of everything, right? So when Elohim gets into the curses for the cursings or curses for what Adam had done and for Eve had done, this is what he tells the woman. He said, uh, to the serpent first, in order. Because you have done this, cursed are, above, are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. <clears throat> Excuse me. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He shall rule over you. Mm. So that's what I wanted to put most emphasis on. He who, he who shall rule over you. The man. Gotcha. So again, I'll read it from. Uh, the so the man movie. shall rule over the woman. Absolutely. Okay. So, Biblically speaking. Biblically speaking. Again, gotcha. for, so this is the New Living Translation. Yeah. Uh, I believe euphemisms are used, but I, I like to refer to the New Living Translation. So verse 16, then to the woman he said, I will sharpen the pain in your pregnancy, and in pain you will, you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been the great discrepancy. Again, this is going back from time immemorial. Mm -hmm. If you believe in this sort of thing, this is the first man and woman. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Gotcha. So this goes back to the woman will desire to rule over her man or her husband, but incontrovertibly, irrefragably, because of the hierarchical status that Elohim constructed, he will rule over you hmm. for a number of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying woman's movement, as you understand it now, biblically that this was already written like okay i'm not surprised by something like the women's movement right. because if you look at the bible it says the woman would desire to rule over her husband that's genesis chapter 3 verse 16. Mm. 
the first three chapters of the yeah. of the, the best selling book every year. So then the consequences are pretty much going against because I'm going to read some consequences that came from the woman's move. I'm interested in hearing those. Women's movement or not the woman's well the women's <laughs> movement based upon what Dr. Warren was saying caused the woman to remove herself from her husband which removed the father from the child's life. Then the effects from the effects on the child were detrimental. Um mm-hmm. and so it, what I'm hearing you say biblically that it was already written now uh that the woman the, the the man will rule over the woman but the woman would desire to rule over her husband which automatically causes a conflict for which we see in the woman's movement um that's am I understanding that correctly you know it's interesting about that and I like to hear hear your your sentiments but imagine desiring to do something that's impossible <laughs> desiring to wrestle with a a, a dinosaur a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> right, but we know like for for the, you know the neo Christians out there and the patricians, if you will, but we know that we can do all things through the Messiah who who strengthens us or through mm-hmm. Elohim. But this is this is Elohim has already this is a designation, a lofty and heavenly designation. This ain't something that you can overcome. Like this is what the scripture says: you shall desire to control him, but mm-hmm. he will rule over you. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of the matter. And it's a number of reasons why he was created first. You came from him. So, so again, that's also not to delineate too far, but that's a big issue because the first woman came from man. But we know all men come from women after that. Mm-hmm. So that's the you know that's also mm-hmm. an issue. Well, mm-hmm. you guys come from us. So there are many societies where they worship the woman as as a god because she that's gives right. birth to all men. But biblically speaking, we we believe you know those who are biblicists or uh, you know Torah observant uh, believe that. The first woman came from man, from his rib, essentially. So. Right, right. No, I mean, I, 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 I agree with everything that you're saying as it relates to, um, I think the feminist movement started in the Garden of Eden <laughs> myself. Clearly, right? Um, so in saying that, we have to go back then, because you just, forgive me for interjecting, no, but in saying ahead. that, we have to go back and see why Eve did what she did. Uh, it's conterminous with what you just stated. Feminism, feminism started in the Garden of Eden. The profundity right. of that statement, mm. yeah, that's deep. And, it, and it, I mean, it could have ended from a biblical perspective. It could have ended in the Garden of Eden, but again, you know, Adam ended up becoming a a, a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> a simp. simp. <laughs> yeah. So he ended up, you know, a from, a, from a biblical perspective, he ended up, you know, becoming a a chimpanzee, and so. Um, it could have ended there. I think um, ultimately, and this is, <laughs> it's amazing because um, I look at these podcasts and stuff like that, and they always say that uh, feminism can only exist in a uh, first world country built by men because we've established <laughs> all of the infrastructure. We've established all of the, the stratification, you know, all of the creature comforts associated with them being able to practice this ideology and uh, I'm not saying that the totality of feminism is like diabolical and, and evil but it, it seems right. like it's kind of a reflection of the past the only reason why feminine uh, feminism even existed then was because 
Adam had to decide. Adam had to create and uh, facilitate the platform um, for feminism by rejecting God himself. Mm. So initially, he is probably the progenitor, and, you know, wow. they just... It's a byproduct or yes, a result. Yes, he his disobedience yeah, spawns feminism. So then... Uh, it, it, no matter what, good or evil, we are the foundation for it. Mm. Feminism can only exist, you know, based on the provision, protection, and parental interest and investment of a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, going back to to Eve, because you said, in your eyes, feminism started, the feminist movement um, started with Eve. So let's look at the reasoning. So according to uh, Dr. Warren, he's, he believed that it started with women wanting freedom, um, the feminist movement. Why do you think Eve would do it? It's like when women wanted freedom um, to uh, uh, divorce, basically separate from their husbands uh, because of oppression. It was basically because of a supposed oppression. And I... And I'll go into that. I can go into that later. But I believe that was kind of that wasn't the case. It was just pushed on women to believe that it, they were being oppressed um, when they really weren't. Um, but what what was Eve's purpose? Did because there was no oppression, or it didn't there was no sh show of oppression. She had equal uh, when it comes to Roman Roman the Earth at that time. It, it was just as much hers as it was 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 Adam's. After, after like <clears throat> quoting a couple of more scriptures, I like to get into some of uh, Karl Marx's uh, poems. Okay. Have you I'm ever read some? To you. Karl, I, I read the, I read some of the Communist Manifesto, but I didn't know he had poems. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. imitation of, of one in despair, uh, scientific socialism, which he's the father of. Mm. So Marxism is it's interesting. Like, you know, I don't want to be intrusive. Uh -oh. You know, I don't want to be intrusive, <laughs> and I don't want to somewhat uh, impose my will. So I didn't really know the direction that you wanted to go. I know you want, you know, the topic, but let it go. I think everything boils down to theology and morality. I'm listening to you. <laughs> like whatever conversation you want to you want to have. I, I agree with you because even though individuals are like, I'm not, I'm not religious. I don't even atheist use theological or biblical or some sort of religious. Uh, what I want disciplines when it suits them, mm -hmm. but until you know, any anybody uses uses those morals and everybody know you know stealing is wrong, lying is wrong. Yeah. Kids even know that at an early age. So these are things that are innately put in certain all of us, I believe. Um, but in but when it begins to impose on what you want to do or freedoms, mm -hmm. then 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 you say no, I don't I don't I don't I don't subscribe to those things. But you do. Even when you don't want, to, you do. Mm -hmm. Not to cut you off, go ahead. Yeah, yes, yeah, it, it becomes very subject, subjective. So, you know, Dre and I, he introduced me to a guy years ago named uh, uh, Bonson, Dr. Bonson, Greg Bonson. Mm -hmm. And Bonson spoke of the laws of logic. Mm -hmm. So everybody has to somewhat pull from, from these laws. You have, law, we were just talking about this mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. having a decision to make up. Law governs all events. Man, you know, come on, man. To not go into tangent again, so mm -hmm. why? was Eve on what she was on. So the serpent was the shrewdest. So this is Genesis chapter one, verse one. I'm, I'm sorry, verse three, chapter three, verse one. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild, all the wild animals Yahweh had made. 
one day he asked the woman, did Elohim really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? So he somewhat questioned. Now, this is another issue. So Adam was given a commandment. You may eat freely of every tree in the garden mm. with the exception of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This right. is what Elohim told Adam. We don't know if Adam accurately, precisely uh, relayed or conveyed the message to Eve, Eve right? We, I, we don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really say that. You automatically assume that Adam told Eve what Elohim told him regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here comes Hillel, the shrewdest of all animals. You know, this is obviously more than likely Hillel who has possessed a, a serpent, Nakash, the shining, the shining serpent, which is interesting. It's kind of like Tupac's Tupac, middle name. Tupac, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, Amaru was translated mm -hmm. as, as a shining serpent. But did Elohim really say you must not eat from the, from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Clearly he didn't say that, right? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Elohim said, you must not even eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So where did the touch come from? Where did that component come from? Elohim ain't say nothing about touching. Mm. So did she add that? You know, for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. But clearly Elohim said, hey, you may not eat of this tree. Uh, verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Elohim knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like Elohim, both knowing good and evil. Or knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful. That's the lust of the, the eyes. Eye. Mm -hmm. and, it and, the, and, it, and its fruits looked delicious, the lust of the flesh. Yep. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. The pride of life. Precisely. The pride of life. So she, The pride of life, right? Mm -hmm. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it, too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt ashamed of their nakedness. So they saw, okay, so, so we know that she saw that the fruit was beautiful, that it was potentially piquant or delectable, and that it would give her wisdom, which she may perceive would have, she would have potentially become parallel with Elohim. Who knows what she thought? But this wisdom would have made her maybe like Elohim, possibly liberating her I don't think Adam was oppressing her, like you said. They were probably both roaming the garden, uh, but it was just them two. Yeah, just those two. Yeah. But there is a hierarchy. Hierarchy, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Elohim told Adam the laws. He didn't tell Kuwa. Got you. You know, yeah. so there is a hierarchical status, which I believe that many women resent. But there are a number of women who absolutely thrive in womanhood and love the hierarchy, because obviously we as men protect them. So, yeah, we can get into to more of that, but I, I believe that's the reasoning behind why she made the move that she made. Adam didn't make the move. Mm -hmm. His, someone subservient to him made the move. Right. So, so we see a mutiny. We see the first mutiny in the Garden of Eden, in my opinion. Right. So. Definitely. I think, I think she was just deceived. Mm. And the scriptures say that um, Adam was not. Um, Peter, right, right. I think she she appealed to the adversary's um, manipulation. She appealed to um, his um, just his ability to be able to um, uh, give morsels of truth, um, along with I'd say the festival of lies. Because um, he did tell the truth when he 
he said what he said as it relates to um, her not actually, um, what did it say? It you said, won't surely die. Yeah, you won't surely die. <laughs> you know what you I'm know. saying? But I think she was deceived. Uh, now, he did appeal to um, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, um, all of those different things, you know, that to me um, are associated with emotion. And so I think ultimately, you know, the consequence was, you know, now, you know, she became this hypergamous emotional creature. Um, but um, he he appealed, I think, to not necessarily appeal, but I think she was deceived. So she became so did those emotions potentially already reside dormant in her internally? Like, how, you know, how do you become something? Wait, be, my bad, not to cut you off. So when you say, so I've, I've gotten to a few arguments um, with my significant other before, um, because I'll say, because innately it, it, is, it is for me to protect. If somebody comes into the home, I'm the one expected to get up and go protect the family. Um, so there are certain things I'll see, and I, and, and I don't think women see it because we're men, so we know the nature of men. And I'll say, hey, you don't, we'll have conversations. I'm like, uh, hey, be, be careful about this and be careful about that. You're naive. And they'll get upset. You think that I asked it because you said something about Eve. I can't remember what you said. That's what, I, but it, her, she was kind of naive. Like, was she? Because I've I've said that, but I was just trying to uh, the correlation between now and and then. Like, yeah, I think I think she was. I, I I'd ultimately say that um, you know she thought she was actually having a conversation with a serpent, something that she probably had already been doing because mm. the serpent wasn't the serpent that we know today, and so. Um, she was she was deceived as it relates to something that she was familiar with, um, which was the truth. And even in reality, she probably you know socialized with the serpent. I mean, the way the law first mentioned, you know, when you start seeing, you know, the the, the Bible says, or it it kind of teaches that you know Genesis is the book of beginnings. Um, you know, women are more socially calibrated. You know, women are socially inclined you know mm -hmm. even to this day um a lot of women they like bad boys you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying a lot of women so as a result we see these consequences uh from what happened initially uh in the genesis epic but i think that um um this was something that she normally did she was just walking through the garden having conversations and then she came up on the serpent that um deceived her into thinking that it was okay to take the fruit. Now, ultimately, again, I don't think that her deception um, would have made a difference. I mean, we know this from a biblical perspective. If the man didn't succumb to his love or lust or whatever it is that um, he felt like he was going to feel before she got there, you know, he knew she was going to die, he was going to be lonely again. Maybe he didn't think he was going to, you know, be able to go back into the operating room, receive the anesthesia, and God pull another bone from his rib and create another one. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case may be, 
he had an emotional attachment to his woman and he died with her instead of for her. Oh, wow. Mm. He died with her instead yeah. of for her. How, can you, can you uh, connect that with today's man, dying with the woman instead of for the woman? Um, I think we've, we, we essentially have Adam's nature as it relates to um, being disposable as men. Um, it's just something that I think is innate. Uh, but the reason why he died with her was because he did it up under the auspices of um, deception. When Christ came, he died for his woman. Mm. He didn't die with his woman. He died for her because that's under the auspices of devotion and righteousness and redemption. Uh, <clears throat> redemption. Uh, the man today, um, he dies for his woman, I think, for the same reasons that Christ dies for the woman um in his intentions are to die that way but inadvertently because of culture because of society because of lawlessness um he's deceived and ends up dying with her because you have men out here that jump in front of a bullet for a woman um that's essentially like eve lawless hmm. rebellious um, I mean, to some degree, and not to just kind of throw my personal business out here, uh, but that's what you're gonna do, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I kind of did it. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I yeah. think um, um, that was a great question, Dre. I think um, that's something we should probably explore a little more. Yeah. But yeah. I think ultimately. You know, we it's in our nature to be disposable. It's in our nature to mm. be protectors, yep, to yeah. be providers. And so uh, we still die for or with our woman today. Okay. okay. Um, so let me go into some of the, because the, we kind of, I'm glad we went, because went, I want the biblical perspective for each scenario. I want, um, since we went in that direction, but uh, we initially started talking about the reason why I brought this up about the feminist movement and because um, uh, Dr. Warren has a book called The Boy Crisis, and then he, he, he um, specifically talks about um, the negative effects of not having a father, or the father being around on boys and girls. Um, and some of those, he said the, impor the importance of having uh, the father are nuclear families. That's another thing, the nuclear family, which is mm -hmm. kind of frowned upon today. Um, or not looked up on favorably today, I should say. Um, but he said that nuclear family, children with equal fathers, uh, equal father involvement have uh, a number of things in common. Um, one of them is postponed gratification, mm. um, which is a, uh, an important quality, number, uh, one of the number one indicators of success. Um, far less likely to be depressed, boys and girls, when, when they have significant father involvement. Um, more likely to be assertive, not aggressive, and knowing the difference between the two. That, that's a, uh, um, an outcome of having the father in the household, or in the involvement, I should say. And un, um, boys and girls are more likely to be empathetic, um, drop out, and they're, they're more likely to drop out of school when the father's not, when they don't have significant father involvement. 
um, addictive, addicted to video games and porn. So, so those are some of the negative effects. Um, some of them that he that he mentioned. Wow. Yeah, I think that's. Um, a lot of the times, and I say this, I don't know exactly how. I mean, can we kind of, kind of free to use whatever language we kind of want to? Go ahead. You can <laughs> I just want. I and I, you know, society at large, I believe is um, responsible for that. Um, I know, as a child, I'm seven and eight years old. Um, I was pussy with before I ever got some pussy. Mm-hmm. Society had had. Let's say let's say vagina. Okay, vagina. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we edit that? Well, baby, I like <laughs> it. No, don't worry about it. I, I know you're expressing yourself. Yeah, keep I it just, clean. I as, want to just keep it clean, clean as possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. ODB over here. <laughs> Man, you got nasty over there. Yeah, right. Which is, I was, yeah, I was vaginally, you know, whipped before mm-hmm. I, you know, had a chance to experience that. So that's actually, delayed gratification. That it was. Yeah, it was it was okay. instant gratification. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it was instant gratification. It was a lack of delayed gratification. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, my father wasn't on post. He wasn't there. Uh, um, and so I was basically at the mercy of um, uh, my older cousins, uh, my um, my uncles, and stuff like that. You know, individuals that probably, you know, I'd say was raised by the same society or the same culture. And they didn't choose uh, pornography. Pornography chose them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just society introducing, you know, and I mean, the basis of it was feminism because of the sexual revolution and this (laughs) sexual freedom and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, men started to... Uh, in the 60s, you know, basically sponsored this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And so it just... Sexual revolution. The sexual revolution, <clears throat> it was like we, we became a uh, we became a byproduct of that, that mentally. That. And, and, you know, these struggles and stuff like that that we would normally have to struggle with. Um, definitely. I, and I've, I, I'm sure a lot of, uh, all of us can relate to some of those things especially not having a father in the household. Um, a, cu- a couple other things that he, that he said were the uh, effects of, um, well, not even having a, he didn't say having a father in the household, which is, we can say that too, but having significant father involvement, right. which the father has to be in the household to have almost, have to, to have that, to have significant father involvement. The father sh- has to be in the household or should be in the household or mm-hmm. becomes difficult. Um, yeah, but he said they have they have few social skills. They do worse in every academic area, especially reading and writing, the two big, biggest predictors of success. Lower sperm count. He said lower that's sperm deep. count. That's deep. I don't know yeah. specifically the biological, the physiological yeah, correlation the between lower sperm count. I wonder if it has to do with testosterone. Testosterone. I was just yeah. And then so if the young man are boy are, are, are around more females, especially if he has a sister, 
it, does it do something with his testosterone? <clears throat> I can see it stifling it, potentially impeding uh, the development of Boosting his estrogen level. Yeah, Go but ahead. you know, if there's a lack of adult or fully developed testosterone, or, uh, testosterone in, in the environment, and, and it, you know, is it like osmosis? Like how, do, how does it, how does a young child or an adolescent extract manhood uh, externally? Like, you know what I'm saying? You are a young man, <clears throat> essentially. But if you have a father, he, he develops that because there, I feel like there's a threat. Mm. Like, I think a young boy, I've, I've told some women, you know, in times past that I've spoke to or advised, who are single mothers, mm -hmm. who have issues with their men. Because I remember vividly as a man, you know, my mom was an interesting individual, to say, you know, to say the very least so. Um, but a very ferocious woman, a lot of ferocity in, you know, in my mom. I don't, my, my father wasn't around. So... Definitely no pushover, but nevertheless a woman. So I vividly remember as a young man saying to myself tacitly or reticently, right? Man, you ain't gonna be able to tell me too many more things, mom, before. <laughs> right, right, yes. So, so there was that congenital desire to, well, not even a desire, this is my Elohim given right. I'm the man, like you're my mother, so I'm supposed to honor you as, yeah. as he's also stated, right? But nevertheless, you're a woman, and you're giving me commands, even though I'm a young child. Mm -hmm. I remember having to quell whatever that was that would rise up in me and say, nah. The urge to disrespect, the urge to <laughs> kind of, the, yeah, yeah, I've been. not there. obey. Yeah. Yeah, if not a disobey. father were there. Uh, there's no ur there's no urge like I, I'm not the king no, there here. may have yeah. very well been, been the urge, urge but you you're gonna it's different dispel. it dissipates yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but with no there. with no man there I, I was essentially a recalcitrant like you mm. very hard for me to acquiesce with what you're telling me mom right oh I love you so I don't think single parents especially in this generation or in this dispensation of time understand uh, that that dynamic yeah you yeah. my son you're supposed to obey me but I'm a young man Mm -hmm. And you are a woman, and your desire is to rule over me or my father, mm -hmm. Adam. Yeah. But I, ultimately, I'm in control. So we have this very awkward uh, dynamic in our, in our community, within our, within our community, where the, the the woman calls her son her king, and right, you know all of that type right. of stuff. Yeah. Which that, is odd because you can, you can only do that in the absence of, yes. of an actual king. Yes. So, so you know. But then they get to, not to cut you off, the, and that speaks to the, what is it, the, the instant gratification culture right mm -hmm. now that we have. Mm -hmm. You're calling the young man a king whose father isn't there, but he doesn't learn delayed gratification. So he thinks that he's automatically supposed to get the treatment I'm of a king right now. what a king is. Mm. Mm. I'm a prince, actually. I remember Arya speaking of, uh, he spoke of, I can't remember specifically, but he was saying, without having the the, the 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 father in the household, the effects of the mother becoming the disciplinarian, specifically on the boy, like it. We don't it, respect that. It does something to them uh, psychologically um, when the woman, because it because they because innately they know that the wait a minute, the woman's not supposed to be disciplining mm -hmm. me, the man is. So when you That's right. physically discipline a, your son as a woman, it does something to him, opposed to when his father does it. You become resentful because mm. I believe, like, inherently you know that I, I'm physically superior to you. Mm. You know, to, to somewhat mm. delve into, like, mm. the aggression and the assertiveness that you were talking about, the difference between the two or how to differentiate the two. Like, I know, like, 
I can win a battle, a physical melee with you. Like you're not mother, you're not gonna win mm -hmm. if it comes to that. Those those feelings I imagine shouldn't even exist. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that the father is the creator. It's his sperm essentially that, you know, you know, as well as the woman's eggs and all of that. But ultimately it's the it's the father who's the creator. And I believe in the absence of the father or the creator, chaos ensues inevitably. So you're gonna have somewhat of a chaotic environment because the woman has to somewhat take on the role of the disciplinarian and an authoritarian, which doesn't necessarily work well for her because then she has a rebellious child. And I believe in the absence of the father, young adolescents oftentimes grow up resenting all forms of authority. Mm. I believe that's why we have many issues in our mm. neighborhood like, or in mm. our community, like the cops and all of that. Like, and, and, he, and police officers just happen to be men. Right. So, well, right. I, I, right. I, I can't identify with you. You're a man and, and the, you're authority. <laughs> I hate authority, and my father ain't never been around, so I don't even know how to deal with this. So, mm -hmm. right. uh, conflict resolution skills are, are almost non existent. You know, mm -hmm. there's a number of things like yeah. when a father's gone, and, not, and we're not having this, this conversation to diminish the value or the role of the woman. That's not what this is about. No, not at all. Uh, but you can clearly see the chaos within our community. Mm -hmm. uh, we're essentially in Bedlam right now, our community's in shambles. To not think that that's the case, you'd have to be delusional, in my opinion. See, because I, so now as you say that, I remember, because um, I was raised by a single mother, my mom was single, mm -hmm. um, my brother and I, and I thought, I need to ask her, I want to ask her why she didn't have other children, um, which I'm glad she didn't, because that means she would have had the answer to another man, mm -hmm. uh, other than my father. But speaking of that, if there was another man, other like I, I as a young boy remember saying every time she went out to date, like he ain't this ain't my yeah, dad. Ain't I ain't gonna listen to him. There's gonna be That's disrespect. Right. You're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're not my dad. <laughs> right, right. Me, You're not my me. dad. <laughs> there was uh, there was instant dislike. Yeah, oh yeah. Whether he was a nice guy, yeah, at all, I wasn't going to respect him. Or eventually, I probably would have grown to. But instantly there was like, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. Only my mom can do that. And I was barely listening. You know, I respected my mom because that's what I was supposed to do. However, you ain't going to, there was so much, I knew I can get away with certain things. Right. Mm -hmm. But then later on, when I got, when I got married, so my mom got married after I had moved out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, she moved, after I moved out of the house and then she got married. One, after after becoming a father and a husband, once I went through, um, after that, and then I, I got my divorce, and then I had to come back. After my divorce, I came to, back to my mom's house. I instantly knew her husband was the man of the house. Mm. He came and got me and said, hey, you you, because I was, you know, we're prideful. I'm not going back home. Mm -hmm. But he was like, hey, we see you. Because of my mother, so this is speaking to a man, goes back to the man dying for his wife, not with his wife. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was like, he felt he felt that pain or the, the hurt of my mother, or what because she knew I was going through even though I wasn't telling her. She came in my living condition. He came and was like, hey, come come stay with us for a while. I instantly knew even though I was there, everything that I needed or wanted, if I needed extra time, I went to him, not her. I knew that automatically. Mm. Prior to becoming a man, I'm not asking you for nothing. You're not, I'm, not, I'm not considering you... Um, that man of the house, you know what I mean? I'm not respecting it unless you raised me, but by that time, I knew who my father was 
or whatever. So this man is not my father, so he can't tell me what to do. But after, <laughs> right. after I'm saying after <clears throat> maturing and becoming a man and having my own family I, at that time, I came in and instantly knew. Mm. There was an instant respect almost. Like, I lived, I, even though I lived and grew up in that house, now that's your house. I get, I had to give him that respect mm. instantly. Mm. Um, so I, I, I kind of knew that innately after, of course, becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be- before we, uh, were you going to comment on that? No, I, I remember like, you know, growing up having a, you know, a gang of guys who, that you grow with who don't have mm-hmm. fathers around. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'd be talking to like Big Kev. Like, you know, we'd be on the phone and something like, Yo, what's going on? What you got going on, man? He'd be like, I'm about to do whatever. I'm saying, oh, okay, you going to go over to your mom's crib? Yeah. Kev's dad has always been around. Yeah. I remember him from when I was a child. Yeah. But, I, I'm used or I'm accustomed to not seeing fathers in the home. Mm-hmm. That's his mom's crib, even though it's his dad's crib, and that's probably how Kev has always, you know, acknowledged that his his uh, domicile as his father's house. It, you know, my ver- my vernacular is, you going over to your mom's house, yes. right? Automatically, right. automatically. That's your mom's, crib. and that's kind of uh, what we have, like. It was mythical, I mean, for somebody to have a dad at the house back in the day. I Ask your mom if we could stay tonight. Yeah, ask your mom. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. What no dad around? Nah. Yeah. See, and I, I believe that's societal, too, because, like, if we see, um, not societal, but if we, well, society today, they kind of, if we watch TV, the, men is de- the man is depicted as dumb a lot. Like, look yeah. at The Simpsons. Homer's yeah. depicted as dumb. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. Um, the women knows it all. They are the smartest. Um, even though I know some bri- brilliant women when it comes to certain things. like. Mm-hmm. But the man didn't know anything. He was not, um, one of my favorite shows, uh, Love and Mary. Was it Married with Children? Oh, it was. Al, yeah, Bundy, Al, Al Bundy. Bundy. Yeah. Al Bundy. Like, they were, these weren't men that you looked up on with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, the only... TV show and it was a little bit before my time, but I watched it was the uh um what is it, Good Times, where the father was in the house and you knew he was what he say what he said went. Even though it was a strong black woman in the household, That's but right. we knew who the man in the house that was right. a positive role model in the house. Right. Um but other than that, men started being depicted as the dumb, not know it all, I gotta ask my wife. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now come back to us, hey, we going to your mom's house? Dad working 80 hours. <laughs> 80 hours. Um, but it's mom's house. Um, yeah, man. One one last thing that that he uh, found in his study of when he when he was writing the book, he said he said children by the age of nine who don't uh, have significant father involvement have shorter telomeres, and a telomere is a compound structure at the end of a chromosome, uh, pivotal. Pivotal, pivotal at predicting life expectancy. Wow. And youth. And youth, yep. Mm-hmm. And he yep. said, uh, so lifespan was 14% shorter um, for, for both boys and girls. But beyond that, boys were 40%, sh- even 40% shorter than girls. So mm-hmm. biologically, I mean, that, it, mm-hmm. it, it affects, it just kind of reminded me because you, you had mentioned something about um, osmosis <coughs> and how... <coughs> You know, you know, when a man's there, you know, how do you, <laughs> how's it extrapolate? How, how does it extrapolate? You know, how do you extrapolate that masculine energy yeah. from your father? And I'm just like, well, I wonder, and this is just something I was thinking, you know, because when you have women, like a bunch of women in a household, mm. for some reason, 
they're able, and I know it's not necessarily by us. The menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thinking, they're all like, yeah. They, they, for some reason, end up on the same wavelength or menstrual wavelength, or, you know, they somehow configurate to be the same or something like that. And I'm wondering, you know, when you take the father out of the house, just from a just from a masculine perspective, is there any kind of association or is that does that relate or connect or correlate some kind of way? Does that energy somewhat yeah. uh govern the environment? Is that the and, and I know force? testosterone it gives off I don't know if it's pheromones or it does give off certain things. And I mean these are questions that I can't answer or we probably can't answer right now, but um, it's probably worth exploring. Um, I like what you said, though, about the um, the television shows, again, you know, that were depicting men as um, primitive and less than. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's just a complete psychological breakdown of uh, masculine masculinity, and um, they always made our standards look like... Um, look like something that was worthless or meaningless mm -hmm. you know the things that we love the things that we valued as men um were um were asinine or something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um you know e even now a lot of the things that we consider as important to us like you know beauty chastity fertility uh i mean even just sex in general is kind of looked down upon when it comes to what a man wants versus, you know, a woman. She can, her standards and stuff like that, it doesn't really matter. You know, she she wants a man with charisma. She wants a man that's rich. She wants right, a man that's, right. you know, and these TV shows kind of, just kind of almost made us hate ourselves. Mm. So, so <clears throat> now you're going into conspiracy, in my opinion, because is that deliberate or is that coincidental? Like, okay, we're just going to develop this. Who's behind developing these? sitcoms these tv series right that emit or broadcast that type of rhetoric and and for us to see ourselves as, as such okay well homer's stupid or I, even like james like I, you think about good times like and, and that's a terribly old show but he was poor yeah like mm -hmm. but he, he definitely was a man but there were some things that i i, I and remember how they wrote him off they, yeah. Because he was, yeah, because he yeah, he was like, I'm not doing, there were certain yeah. things he wasn't going to do, so yeah. they killed him off. As a man. As a man, yep. As a man. Like Shorter had, lifespan. Shorter had, lifespan. Uh, Shorter certain, lifespan. Certain integrity. Mm -hmm. we, we have we have a certain level of integrity. And I, I think, um, you know, going back to the, the liberation mm. movement, the feminist movement, which essentially, you know, is a liberation movement. So Psalm chapter 2, why are the nations so angry? This is Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against Yah and against his anointed one. Excuse me, verse 3. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to Elohim. So this is Psalm chapter 2, verse 3. Let us break their chains. This is what Elohim is saying the nations or humankind is saying about his rule. They see it as slavery. Mm. Let us break their chains, they cry. This is a battle cry. <laughs> um, Man, that's crazy. And free ourselves. So you talk about freedom. Yeah. Again, Yeah. A man wants to liberate himself from the rule or the tyranny of Elohim, which I believe is 
the furthest thing from the truth. And woman wants to do the self, do the same for, for her, what she perceives as tyranny mm-hmm. and the man ruling her. Mm. Go, so again, going back to Genesis chapter three, now we're in Psalms chapter two. So we see mankind has, uh, as a collective, come against Elohim and say, saying, we no longer want to live by your rules and your regulations. We're not interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're enslaving. They're, we're, captive, we're, we're, we're captive by these things. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna liberate ourselves. But how does, how does mankind go, go about liberating himself from uh, divine, uh, preponderant, and transcendental truths? It seems as if, according to what we're talking about, especially with, the, with the, the shows, we're talking about television programming. These people don't even like, listen to the wording they use, remote control. That's the device that we use to change the programming. Don't you mm. program mm. a mind? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, television programming, uh, channeling, to, to change the channel. Mm. We're channeling mm. a spirit. You know, many people call the TV a black mirror, which is a show on, on Netflix. Wow. So black mirrors are items that they use in witchcraft to invoke spirits. So you know, with a television, if it's not on, it's black. It's black. You get it, ha- it, it, it casts a reflection. You know, so these are the devices that we've essentially. You talk about propaganda. I don't know if you guys know um, uh, Hitler's the, the father of he- Hegel. No, not that's not Frederick Hegel. That's uh, what is my man's name? The father of propaganda. But when you talk about propaganda, from the radio to the television to the computer, define propaganda. Propaganda. I don't. I don't want to butcher the definition for you. I know it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like promotion or manipulative promotion. Of so, so definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, it's it's very biased, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an objective when certain information is being divulged or it's being broadcasted or directed to its audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, information especially oh, okay information especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view so prop if if we as a if if our government or whoever our enemy is as a people wants to remove the father because I don't think that this methodology was utilized to in in the European community like there's still some even in the other communities, the Mexican community, yeah. uh, the Hmong community, you talk about the show Snowfall, crack cocaine mm. was brought into our community, right. to which we've yet recovered from. Right. And, and to go on a, a tangent briefly, my mother said something very profound to me years ago. She told me, I think I was having a discussion with you not too long about this, she told, or we were at Sid's house, Dre, having yeah. a discussion. She told me that crack cocaine brought the woman out of the house. The, the, the man was somewhat already out of the household. He was somewhat already mm-hmm. incarcerated because um, heroin precedes crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was already incarcerated or deceased or mm-hmm. Debbie, however you want to reconcile mm-hmm. it. But she said crack cocaine brought the woman out of the household as well. That's what, yeah. And when she said that, I, you know, I pondered it, yeah. deliberated upon her, like, damn, it did. Because the, yeah. wo- the woman has always, like, we can criticize the woman and these statistics, like, the job she's done hasn't been a good job, but she's, she's she was never designed or programmed, if you will, to to be the sole 
Right. Uh, no, we definitely have to take accountability. We definitely have to take account of some yeah. accountability as well as men. Definitely. So bringing her out of the household, where where the kids? Mm-hmm. So you, what you seen in the crack era was women selling their children's pampers, mm-hmm. women selling their children. Father already gone, right? Where they put him at? He, he's in prison at this time. <laughs> for Remember, the, for the same drug. For the same drug. So you have the crime bill. Drafted by Joe Biden, right? <laughs> executively signed by Bill Clinton. Right. Uh, right. Hillary Clinton played a significant role. Bernie right. Sanders. All, all the can- the irony of it all. But right. again, this is our enemy. These are the candidates that he presents to you. These mm-hmm. are all individuals who played an integral role in disproportionately, systemically, yeah, man, systemically disproportionately yes. incarcerating our fathers and mm-hmm. mothers. Wow, mothers. Uh, became cannon fodder during that time as well. Yeah. But for selling this drug that they brought into our community. Right. We may have rocked it up. I don't know. Who, who showed us how to rock it? I don't know, right? Who gave us the recipe for this biological weapon? I don't know. Nevertheless, the government admittedly brought it into our community, community to fund a war abroad at the behest or at the detriment of the bereavement, mass bereavement and incarceration mm-hmm. of black males. Yes. So, so I think the government and, and society, like, man, they want these people to do better. Well, no, no one has been treated like us in this country. Mm-mm. Maybe the natives, Native Americans, like a relatively close second. But in terms of, like, the assault and the barrage of attacks that we've experienced since we stepped foot on this, on this, uh, this plane, if you will, have been incessant. Yes. Incessant. So we can talk about why we're in the shape that we're in. And I believe it goes back to the Garden of Eden. But look at the pro- television programming, the drugs, the, the pharmaceuticals. You know, these are things that ultimately disrupt any attempt to successfully parent or rear, rear a child up in this, in this perverse society. So it's really interesting to me um, that we see, that, see ourselves in this position and we say, well, we're not going to unite Mm. We're we're not going to unite, but it's only we're our com- it's only the black community that I, for the most part, that, that feels not, that way. That feels that way. Yeah. That we're not going to unite. And I, <laughs> like you said, I also thought it, I think it's strategic to get us to pit ourselves against each other because the black man and the black woman are at odds right now. And that's been a case for quite a while. Um, again, it's hard to not get into conspiracy, and it's hard to not get into theology and morality when you're having these discussions, right? Because. Well, well, you guys need to, uh, you know, buy black and invest in your community. And, you know, uh, what's my man's name? Um, power, power, power nomics. I'm talking power about. Nomics. Um, I can't remember his first name, but yeah, I know exactly. No, I'm talking, talking about. about. I can't about. remember the brother's name. Mm-hmm. I'm having a pair of practice. Claude, Claude Anderson. Claude, Claude Anderson. Anderson. So um, we've done that. Yeah. We've. I tried to. No, we've done that. We ain't trying to do nothing. Black well, Wall said, Street, 1921. Yeah, That's what I said. Yeah, we've we done it. We tried to. Right. We, we've done it. We did it. But then it was. was yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. The first library experience. Hospitals. Before, right. I mean, terrorism before. Right. Come on, man. Hospitals, libraries. We were lawyers. We had our own banks. Unprecedented, right? Right. It's 1921. Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. Black Wall Street is what they called it. So we ain't tried to do nothing respectfully. Mm-hmm. We accomplished it. Right. And yep. then our government, mm-hmm. historically speaking, through. a historical record, reportedly, I mean, I wasn't there, but according to what I've, the research that I've gleaned from, right, mm-hmm. as an investigative researcher, launched an attack, an assault on this relatively yes. peaceful environment. 
Yeah. A black thriving industrialist, right? Yeah. How do you reconcile that? That ain't happening to nobody else. Right. Again, the Native Americans, relatively close second. They were over here. They brought in small pox mm-hmm. blankets and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I understand war, right? This is what happens. From time immemorial, people have claimed territory via war. But we're, these are people who brought us from another country, in my opinion, from another mm-hmm. country, to build their country, which we successfully did, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk about... There, and for, again, for me to delineate again briefly, and forgive me for expatiating, I'll get one of y'all on the mic in a minute. So, it's, it's inc- incredibly difficult to not pay restitution for somebody who you've wronged. Like, when you talk about, like, reformation, you talk about, like, contrition, mm. expressive contrition, H- how do you go about that without restitution? Mm. No I, remorse. I, I heard an African brother say this recently. He said, like, when the children of Israel left Mizraim or Egypt, Remember, Elohim had them ask he, uh, the Egyptians. Right. They, they essentially that's plundered right. Egypt. That's but right. they were there for 400 years. They yeah. left with reparations. Man, come on, man. Like <laughs> the, so America like that's America right. ain't done too much for us. Like It's, inter- it's, 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 a, wick- it's a wickedness that resides here. And, but it's, it's a reason that we're in the condition that we're in because we refuse, obviously, to kneel before the creator who made it, in my opinion, who made a, a, a covenant with our ancestors. And that covenant was essentially predicated upon righteousness, obedience, disobedience, and unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. If you guys, if my people who are so called, who, who are called by my name will humble themselves, mm-hmm. pray, mm-hmm. I'll forgive this is, you know, Chronicles 714. So I think we refuse to do that. We're going to go the Million Man March, mm-hmm. uh, Black Panthers, to which the government has essentially uh, deconstructed every every attempt that we've had to kind of right. unify. Tell pro. We've been public enemy number one. Why, though? What we do exactly? Mm-hmm. What what have we done exactly? Mm. The drugs were handed to us. Just because your name, last name, heroin, don't mean you got to go around selling it, right? <laughs> yeah, so right. I understand, like, we didn't have to engage in that casuistic... Uh, but no, 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 no. I think you... I, see, this is the thing. It was... I mean, they call it trichnology. It's, it's, it was under the guise and coversion of instant gratification. And when you feed mm. the people instant gratification in a bubble of poverty, mm. it's like, I mean, I mean, what what do you do? I mean, my mom said when they, they first introduced her to Freebase, she thought it was weed uh, cooked on the stove. Dang. So she wasn't even, you know, know she wasn't mean. even privy to exactly what she was about to get ready to put her mouth on. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And so it's always under the guise of recreation and party and and, and bull crap. You know what I'm saying? Going back to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Exactly. Exactly. And so we're looking for that instant gratification. I mean, Mm. essentially in Genesis, I mean, there we have it. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. It's the book of beginnings. This Mm. is where we first see the explosion of instant Mm. gratification. Mm. And so there, I, I remember being a latchkey kid as a kid, <laughs> you know, uh, even though my father wasn't there, my mother essentially wasn't there either. She was at work all the time. Yep, my, which, I can remember that too. I mean, left us to our own devices. Yep. <laughs> I, I enjoyed when my mama was at work. <laughs> she bought that house. I locked the screen door, snuck a girl in. Right. Mama, you can't get in this right. house until I open. You can't get in your own <laughs> house until I open the door. Right. I'm the man of the house. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you, I mean, you was talking about the conspiratorial view. 
this stuff is systemically, I mean, we, we see this. I mean, with the advent of capitalism and the Federal Reserve and all these different things that uh, cause individuals to go out and work, to cause individuals to have two incomes instead of one, mm. um, to um, essentially utilize propaganda. I mean, I was looking at some commercials in the 50s and the 40s and the, the, the 30s and stuff like that on radio and television where they were uh, actually promoting and advertising uh, to black people to become consumers mm. and to sell things to black people and things like that. So it's like they've been, and I think maybe it was because after the Reconstruction period, mm -hmm. we, we were the ones that were actu actually uh, the true industrialists because we built the country. Mm. We had all of the skill set. Wow. I mean, we may not have been able to read, right. but we knew... I mean, we knew how to utilize our hands. Right. And so the Reconstruction period was happening in these black pockets of society. And, I, you know, envy, jealousy, you know, racism, you know, the, 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 the white supremacy, mm -hmm. you know, these kinds of things that just, you know, basically systemically destroyed or tried to systemically destroy the the African-American spirit or the black spirit. Perpetually, right? Yeah. Has yet to stop. Uh, Did you have something that you wanted to? No, go ahead. So so this is an excerpt. You remember Ralph Epperson's uh, phenomenal, seen phenomenally hand. written work, Unseen Hand. <laughs> so this is this is a joint. Man, when I read that Unseen Hand, boy. It, it, it just, I'm listening boy, to you, but what? yeah, it, 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 it. So, yeah, it so this, is what, uh, this is what Ralph Epperson wrote about what we're essentially talking about, right? In the United States, the family or the church has been a traditional agency for the teaching of the values to the child. Mm. Very, very important. Repeat that. In the United States, the family or the church, talk about the nuclear family like you yep. were talking about earlier, yep. the family or the church, which is essentially constituted of a family, That's yeah. right. has been the traditional agency mm -hmm. for the teaching of the values of the child. So I said earlier, my sentiments were, I believe everything boils down to morality and theology, mm -hmm. no yeah. matter how you spin it. In my worldview, no matter That's how right. diminutive my worldview is, there hasn't been a significant movement in this country that wasn't related to the church. Exactly. Judeo-Christian. Anybody would say that. Even, Not a significant uh, one. Uh, even uh, politicians Black. or even, you yeah. hear them today, they'll yeah. say, hey, the church and the community was, anybody can tell you that mm -hmm. the church and the community was very important. Man, it was on, a staple man. in the community. The Million Man mm -hmm. March, the Civil Rights Movement, this comes out of Judeo-Christianity. Mm. Ain't no, this ain't a, a atheist movement like this is. No, you know who's spearheading these movements. These are quote unquote religious people. So, uh, very important in the United States, the family or the church has been the traditional agency for the teaching of the child, the, the values to the child. It was apparent that the family unit and religious teaching had to be destroyed so that the school could become the new teacher of the values to the child. I work in education right now, mm. man. It was apparent that mm. it was apparent that the family unit and religious teaching had to be destroyed so that the school could become the new teacher of the values to the child. The Communist Party in 1968, 68 was a very interesting year. Mm. That's the year that JFK got assassinated. That's the year that MLK. Martin Luther King, I think, died. Not JFK, Robert F. Kennedy. Right. All right, King, Martin Luther King right. got assassinated. Right. The World Trade Center was, began construction, mm -hmm. which mm. essentially got collapsed 33 years later. Uh, the Boeing jet, which interestingly coll collided into the towers, began construction in 68. Uh, the first 911 call was made in 68. So yeah, but not to get off of subject any, any further, but uh, in carrying the burden of tending t for the children, 
individual mothers bear a responsibility that properly falls on society and government. In mm. carrying the so the Communist Party in 1968 stated the problem precisely. In carrying the burden of tending for the children, individual mothers bear a responsibility responsibility that properly falls on society and government. The problem for the planners, he uses planners, then became one of removing the mother from the home so that the child could be taught by the state. One of the greatest tools that the planners have, have is inflation, which causes the husband to ask his wife to join in the money-making endeavors of the family. There you go. Wow. This then poses. <laughs> there you go. This then poses that's, the. This then, then, this then poses the additional problem for the parents. Mm -hmm. How do they tend for the child who is now at home without the mother? The latchkey kid. Before you, go ahead. Psychology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me finish this. The yeah. government then steps forward with the solution. So this is Hegelian dialectical, fellas. Mm -hmm. This is problem, create the problem, mm -hmm. reaction, anticipate the reaction, and present the solution. It's organized confusion. It's, I'm listening to or, you. Order, order out of chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Order out of chaos. So this is Bill Gates with Microsoft creating his software. Also creating a virus. Mm -hmm. So you have to buy virus protection. This is, this is the business. Mm -hmm. This is the disease and the cure are, foment, are, are produced by the same entity. See. This is synthesis antithesis and thesis mm. this is what these this is how these people operate so again the government then steps forward with a solution to the problem that it created it offers the struggling family a daycare center for the child and the child becomes the ward of the state at an even earlier age than before others assist the destruction of the family by encouraging the mother to leave the home the new move to liberate the wife from the tedious tasks of homemaking are intended to leave the child at home without parental parental supervision. The woman's liberation movement is sometimes even unwittingly supporting the intentional movement of the wife out of the home. Mm. In addition, the planners also put pressure on those parents who decide to place their children in private schools, which is not to teach atheism, humanism, or, or evolution. These parents caused the planners many problems, one of which was pointed out by former Harvard University President James B. Conant, who stated, not to get any further into that, but this is essentially what we've been this talking is, about. Mm -hmm. And this is where I get my rhetoric from. Right. These, these books, biblically. But it's all theological. Like everything that Ralph Epperson stated in this diatribe, what, did, what does he extract this information from? This goes back to the Garden of Eden, like we've been talking yeah. about. Right. Yeah. A couple, two things. So when you're talking about taking a woman out of the household, I credit my children's mother for everything they know, how, how they're doing well in school right now. Um, because they're precocious, but that's because of what she did with them at an early stage. Teaching them uh, how to, you know, essentially read. Like they were ahead of, by the time they got to school or got to preschool or whatever, she had already started the, the things that they would have learned when they got there. Fundamentals. So she was. They were ahead of the game. Right. Sit there doing sight words and counting and reading to them and with them and um, all of those things. So I, the mother is very essential, especially in within the household with the children. Um, the first teacher, essentially. Definitely the, the definitely definitely the first teacher. Mm -hmm. And one things, a couple of things. I got a lot of things running through my head right now. So another thing I I I uh, was thinking about 
is because so when the when the children well I'll say this watching the uh, the interview with with Dr. Warren the interviewer I can't remember the dude's name what's his name Jordan Peterson yeah he was Peterson, saying okay. yeah he yeah. said <laughs> Jordan <laughs> no he didn't say it Warren Warren Jordan said it no he was saying mm-hmm. he was saying so the women did even though the women joined in with the labor of the men the men didn't join in with the labor of the women so essentially picking up some of the parenting one because they didn't know their value as a, as fathers two because mm-hmm. and, and then two the the ones who did know their value didn't speak up so that the woman mm-hmm. could know mm-hmm. or they didn't communicate it so that goes to me so when it, when a child is born totally dependent upon the mother for the nurturing mm-hmm. and the, so the father, we really, uh, you've experienced this recently, Carrie, but we were recently, especially if they're being breastfed, they're de- totally dependent upon totally. the mother, and there's nothing you can do. You know, we, we're, we're just, okay, we've, we're free to work because the mother knows how vital she is in the kid's life. Like, but I think that, and I've noticed this, we we don't know when to step in at sometimes because as they grow, now they need to be disciplined. They need to learn delayed gratification, and sometimes I believe that. I, I can say for me, I had to be like, hey, I need help now. And I'm like, well, where do I help? Right. <laughs> where do I help? Like, I'm out working because right. we think like, I'm out working making sure that you're safe in the house. You know, you're safe at home. You can you can, t- you can, continue on with raising the children because I'm making sure the bills are paid. Right. You got food to eat, but there is still help needed. And I think that's the di- that has become the disconnect within the home, mm-hmm. within the that's relationship. The with, with the, within the relationship because, of course, the children aren't dependent upon us. They don't need us, but eventually – as they grow, they will, and we see without us the damage that it does to them. And I th- and that's why I think it's important for us to be able to establish ourselves as providers first and foremost. Because, um, <clears throat> and I know we're 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 doing analysis on you know the problem and, and stuff like that. But um, I just remember when I first got married, how difficult it was for me to really provide for the family, and because I wasn't necessarily providing. Um, in a way that was, you know, that it was just like a major surplus in the home. Um, I was outside of the home. She was outside of the home. I had to come up, you know, with these ideas to to try to bring structure to the family. I mean, we ended up having three kids, and so we were, now we're outnumbered mm-hmm. as, <laughs> you know, yeah. as a unit. So yeah. now... You know, now we have to we have to structure the household in such a way to where you know things could run smoothly, um, and this and this again goes back to the identity principle because now you know once we come up with a plan, once we come up with a strategy, um, as leaders of the household, you know, and of course we're going to consult with the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But it has to be a pilot and a co-pilot. You know, will the co-pilot be submissive or humble enough to be able to uh, follow these instructions? Even in the midst of, you know, arguments and disagreements and individuals becoming emotionally stagnant, you know, if she doesn't necessarily want to, to respect the messenger, does the message make sense? Because, you know, we're up against all of these different things, these fiery dots. We're up against, you know, the satanic principle. And so we have to have like these, these strategies in place, these practical strategies in place to better protect the family. Mm. And I just remember that um, because 
there wasn't any uh, research and development done on my part as it relates to uh, me dating my wife and her family history. Um, she wasn't subject to the instruction. Mm. And so um, uh, the scriptures say that we're not ignorant to the, the devil's devices, to his system, to his kingdom and his strategies and his plots. So we know as men instinctively, and I mean, of course, you know, there are auxiliaries and stuff like that in place, men and women in place, um, especially men that tell us, you know, this is what you need to look out for. And so we'll come in and we'll try to administer uh, uh, administer, you know, these solutions and um, for some reason, you know, women are, are to some degree, not all women, but are more egotistically invested um, in, in the marriage versus it being mm. a, a, a situation of home balance and, and home economy. You know, she'll you know, at least in my situation, and I know, you know, statistics is saying nowadays that, you know, this is like an epidemic where um, women are not really being a feminine asset. You know, we both got to go out there and work. Uh, we both got to go out there and go get it these days because of the way capitalism has set the structure up, the infrastructure up. But when we come home, you know, how do we, how does, how do we manifest uh, our, um, uh, the, the masculine imperative and the feminine imperative um, at the house. And then when, when, when you come together, when you try to come up with something harmonious, um, for some reason, you know, they still think that, you know, they silverback gorillas or something like that. And you can't, yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> can't, you know, I'm trying to bring, you know, essentially peace, you know, by coming up with these, with the and I'm consulting with you to see if this is something that you know. Um, ultimately, and I'm, this is just a microcosm of the family. I know we were talking some high level stuff. No, earlier. let's get into it. Yeah, but I'm just like you know, what are the solutions and stuff like that in association with getting women to become feminine assets? And I think first and foremost, uh, men, um, we have to overcome and become first and foremost. Like we, we have to be better providers so that. The woman, she moves in to whatever it is that we build. Mm. And so now she can, she has a platform. She, she, has, a, uh, she has the space to nurture while mm -hmm. we go out and overcome nature. Yes, yes. Mm. And, and I can say for myself, being able to, so I got married at 21. Too young for a man, period, to get married. Mm -hmm. Too young for me to get married, I don't think... I managed to get married that young, I think. Um, in, we Western, should, in Western civilization. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, because of we're not given a lot of responsibility, so we're not as responsible as we should be at that time. Um, nor do we know how to provide, which, which, which we are supposed to do, which plays on our self-esteem, our self-worth, mm. self-image, mm. which affect the women negatively and children if we have it because we don't know who we are so now um i can i can say now after experiencing it without that we kind of blame the women for for feeling that way or always feel even when she does give us a little bit of um feedback we take it as disrespect or um or if she even 
disagrees with certain things instead of learn, knowing how to intelligently have a discussion or communicate with her at that age or when we're in that state, we just get puffed up with pride and, and, and we're like, hey, you need to listen, we need to do this. And a lot of so to the woman's credit, some men aren't as mature as they should be. So it, 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 is, it is very important for the man, for one, to have a father, to see a man go through that or re, to, to, to attain, to, to look forward to something. Like I want to, most young men or boys want to be like their father. So right. if they have a father who was already right. doing what they're supposed right. to be doing, even if you don't know how to do it, you have an idea because you've seen it done. So us, who didn't have a father in the house, and me, not knowing how it's done, I'm I'm going off of what I see on TV. I'm watching Al Bundy. Right. I'm watching Homer. I'm watching, right. you know what I mean? My only positive Romano was the, was the Cosbys, which was, you know, that was fictional, but mm -hmm. that was all I had to look up to. So, mm -hmm. like, this is how I want my family. But then how do I reach that and then the instant gratification? If it ain't happening right now, I'm getting frustrated because mm -hmm. I'm not appreciating the journey. So now I'm bringing that back home. Mm -hmm. One, I'm not making no money. Mm -hmm. But I still want the respect as a man. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't have the image, a positive image of a man because I didn't have one in the household. So now I'm taking that out on a woman. So yeah, man. So that's, that's alternative programming in my opinion. Like, <clears throat> So there was a, a a young boy, I believe his bus driver had, I don't know if the bus driver had had a stroke, you know, but since I saw he was that. unconscious. So you saw he sprung into action? Yeah. And stepped on a brake? Yep. You know, brought the bu mm. bus to a screeching halt. So they asked Shorty, like, how did you know to do that? He said, well, I watched her every day. Mm. So you talk about the example. Yes. Like, can you imagine, you know, like, I feel like the other ethnic groups, have these examples in many respects, right? Yeah. You know, white this poor white people in the same predicament that many, you know, right. poor black, you know, you talk about classism, like that's another that's another discussion. That's different. Yeah. Discussion yeah. for another day. But um when you talk about like the programming, t television, you getting up, you see seeing your mother cook breakfast, potentially, you know, getting ready for work later. You see your father putting a suit on, getting a suitcase. Well like I never seen that. No, my mom no. was a, my mom was a heroin addict. <laughs> mm. I didn't see no good examples. I saw zombies walking around the crib. Mm -hmm. Consequently, and, mm. and I think society like society doesn't want does not want to hear an excuse. No, I can offer some legitimate mm. excuses right. that adversely impacted me as an adolescent. Right, I don't want to hear no excuses. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. nobody does. Yeah, but I don't think society. I understand. But it's it's interesting because yeah. you have why are the people like this, but there is a there's a reason. There's why a reason. There's like definitely this. a reason. We talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a reason, and 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 this is what I mean. Just getting back to what Dre was saying too, in, in accordance with what you were saying when he was he was talking about instant gratification. Man, that's to me that's a that's a pretty that's a deep thing. That's a fundamental thing, and um, uh, fathers are supposed to be there to teach their children patience. I, it, Mm. I think ultimately the father is responsible for injecting his identity, the fundamental things that make up identity, at least in his children. Um, I know that's kind of how I've did things, even with my girls. You know, I do it with my son, but even with my girls, there's just rules and regulations that's supposed to govern a, a, a person's spirit. And I think that comes from the father, and you kind of, you kind of uh, spoke about this when you were talking about, I don't know if this was a couple of days ago if I was talking to you, but we had a conversation about 
the statistics um, relevant to success uh, in a single father's household versus one mm-hmm. in a single mother's household. Um, I know mothers have been doing it for a long time um, because of the conspiracy to destroy black civilization by taking the male, you know, out of the home. You know, you bind the strong man, you spoil the goods. Um, but initially that, that though patience and being emotionally intelligent um, and emotionally wise, um, it, it comes from the father. And I, I, I remember hustling. I remember selling drugs and stuff like that because of instant gratification, mm. because I wanted this, I wanted that. Uh, I wanted sex. I wanted all of these different things because um, my father wasn't there to teach me to be patient, to teach me to you know be strategical about how I was supposed to live my life. This stuff gets into your subconscious, you know, um, and you start, without a father, you start raising yourself. And so you're grasping at uh, the Ralph Trezvents, the Philip <laughs> Michael Thomases, the Michael Jordans, the Bobby Browns, yeah. you know, a lot of modeling but no mentoring mm. is mm. happening. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I mean, I still suffer from uh, moments, I mean, I wouldn't even say moments, man, but the addiction to comfort. Mm. I think I think we all oh, can, do. <laughs> you know what I'm to saying? some extent. Some, yeah, some worse than others, but yeah, man, I, I that that uh, yeah. And and it ha- obviously it has to be like a decent a decent man, like just any man isn't good good enough, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about indoctrination essentially, mm-hmm. like for me to divulge or teach. What qualities are you teaching your children? Mm-hmm. You know, when I see like children in it, well, here's another passage that I wanted to read. And I want to yeah, read, yeah. I, you were talking about Satanism earlier, to get back to Karl Marx. Karl Marx was a Satanist. I know, I didn't know Karl Marx was oh, a Satanist. Absolutely. I know he was an atheist. I mean, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bing. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> yeah, no. right, right. I was I having a discussion. He, I didn't know it was a relig- I didn't know he was religiously. <laughs> well, I will say this: he extolled Satan in many of his poems. Mm. Was, and, and but again, the satanic principle going back to the Garden of Eden, like this yes. is this is uh, the apogee of everything that we're talking about mm-hmm. goes back to Elohim and Hillel, mm-hmm. the the yin and the yang, mm-hmm. the dark and the light. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we're talking about. We're having a discussion talking about morality, right and wrong. What is acceptable and what is unacceptable. So many, you know, many of uh, these institutions and agencies and uh, entities have essentially like their sophistry, their level of sophistry is unique because because of our the instant gratification that we want to, you know, devote or uh, uh, we want to gorge on what we want to gorge on at the mm-hmm. moment that we desire it. That was essentially E's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's to say that Eve couldn't have went to her Elohim and gleaned? You know, who's to say? Mm-hmm. You know, but she wanted it the way she got it. So uh, Isaiah chapter 3, we call him in Hebrew, Yeshia. Chapter 3. I want to read this from the King James Version. I think some of these other versions are dilute. The, the 
the, the thrust of what it says. Uh, this is Yeshia chapter 3, verse 5. And the people, verse 3, or verse 2. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. So this is Elohim talking to the children of Israel. And this is because they're in. That's a beautiful passage of scripture, too, that exposes. I'm listening to you. I will give. So this is the ESV. That was the, the New yeah. King James. And I will make children their princes or boys and infants shall rule them. So in the King James Version, wait a minute. It's three and five. Three and five. Babes, it's, it's supposed to say, what the, huh? Is that, and the people should be oppressed, every one by the other, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Yeah, hold on one minute, y'all. My apologies. Yeah, change it up on you as soon as you was about to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's, you know I'm thinking like. <laughs> they took it out. They took it. He about to read it. Take it out. <laughs> so, so, so this is what it says. Mm-hmm. Like in, in, in the NIV, the New Limit Translation, it should say, Youth oppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your guides lead you astray. Youth. They turn you from the path. So children oppress my people. Mm. We, we, we talk Dang, about the, the we Kia can, boys right now. That's a, that's a, that's so, so again, man, we, listen, I work in a high school. I work in education. <laughs> so I, I, see, I see it. Go ahead. Not to cut you off. Youth oppress my people. So that's what I was. The women was missing. Like, I don't know that euphemism like it. Uh, my people, your, your guides, like women. Youth oppress my people and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you. They turn you from your paths. Uh, as for my people, children are their oppressors. So this is the King James Version. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. And that's Isaiah what? That's Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. Dang, that so kind of – that sums it up. Yeah, I, but I that kind of goes to what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. What we're, what we were basically saying. talking about um, – especially going back to Genesis, women will desire to rule over their husbands, but removing the man, the man's not in there. You have to do that first. The children yeah. are, are, are just chaotic. Become they, rebellious. They, chaos. they become rebellious. Yes. They don't have any discipline, delayed gratification. So we see what, and this was written in Scripture so, thousands, you, years you, ago. You have to, you know, we're talking about three, three millennia, three to four millennia. So you have to, again, this is, what, this is my worldview. I have a biblical worldview. I believe it makes the most mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the most rational. I believe mm-hmm. uh, every other worldview pales in, pales in comparison to it. But women ruling over you and children, because think about, like, the construct, or if, if you were to somewhat disassemble this particular passage. Women rule over my people. Because mm-hmm. remember, you talk about the hierarchical status. There's prophet, priest, prophet, king, uh, judge. You know, these are typically offices held by men for a number of reasons in a, in a, in a theocratic nation, which is the nation mm-hmm. of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So women, women taking the mantle, somewhat usurping authority, right, mm-hmm. and ruling over them, you, ha- you have to put that into perspective, especially if children are oppressing them. Mm. Because all, everything we're talking about, you know, the man isn't there mm-hmm. to install or instill these qualities in them. Like I was saying, how I started to look at my mom when she tried this to give is, me an instruction. Exactly. Man, what, what? And that's what ends up happening. <laughs> you, you Inevitably. End up, you end up, I mean, being, oh, as a child, I mean, I remember, I started running game on my mom. Man, come on, man. <laughs> that's one of the things he, <laughs> that's one of the things he said. The importance yeah. of 
not to cut you off the mm-hmm. importance of having the father in the household delay gratification because mom can also impose some of those mm-hmm. those rules too. However, mothers he was like mothers are usually tend to to give in because yes. the kids know how to manipulate That's the mom right. and mom is a little more sensitive to the yeah. to the kid that's and right. dad's like no nope. you do exactly. this first yeah. and then, then that, you can have it right. and that's the that's how they learn to delay gratification stop it with equanimity mm-hmm. like immovably that's our yes. position man you i don't care the tears no or, feel i'm not necessarily yeah. moved by it i'm not at all. like care you about to have a daughter it's going man what <laughs> i love my daughter but my position is my position right. i'm right. a man first so right this the nigga, women he's stoic. Over us. That's what not, stoic. this nigga just stoic. Yeah, yeah, man. Iceberg. Oftentimes, to my detriment, as it relates to like the fluidity of my relationship. Right? Yeah, you yeah. have to. Women require validation. Definitely. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You I can't to. be always nonchalant. Or ain't a big, you know, I gotta. Hey, baby, you beautiful. You gotta do that right. type yeah. of stuff. You know Would you I'm say right? then? So I see two extremes now, especially a, a, a male without a father in the household. He becomes extra, one extreme, he becomes extra sensitive. The mom teaches the male how to treat the woman. Usually, that's not even the man that the woman wants, the mom wants. But because of that, we're taught, hey, this is how you treat a woman, this is how you do. But then, okay, mom, since I don't have a dad in the house, how how do I stand up for myself and and set set boundaries? So you have the extra sensitive man who is a runover, which most women don't want. But then on the the, the other extreme, he overcompensates because he wants to know what masculinity exactly. is. He wants to know what a man is. Not exactly. saying that you're overcompensating, but do you believe some of the way you are is because like, okay, this is how I'm as a man. I'm I was raised by my mom. I saw that. I'm going a total opposite. Exactly. I'm the man. Would you say? Possibly, like subconsciously, I wouldn't be able to reconcile it. As you answer the question, I would possibly have to like you know delve into mm-hmm. like meticulously examine myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to give like a. But I, I understand what you're saying because I resented how my mom ran the household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was, I, I remember I was talking to you like, you know, so my mom is a, uh, my mom's been clean for 15, 16 years. Hallelujah for that. Uh, she's a drug addiction counselor now. So not to somewhat demean or, you know, disrespect her, but she was a heroin addict, me, me growing up, right? So heroin addict slash hustler. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of traffic. So I'm seeing all these young niggas come in and boy, I, and men, I had a resentment for men because of the type of men they were. Mm. So I, I already don't got my father around. Yeah. So I'm like, man, who is these niggas? Like, I know what's going on. This I don't like this environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you begin to resent how the woman allows. It's just, I mean, why are you allowing? You got super some liberal. kids in here, yeah. man. Like it's, it's, no it's too law. much. But yeah. but. As tough as my mom, you know, women, man, my mom, crazy tough. I saw her cry many different times over a number of different issues, right? Yeah. As it relates to criminality, a softy, mm-hmm. ultimately, right? Even though she had this college, cold, and calculated, you know, uh, shell, you know, that she somewhat operated behind. But I was, I used to think to myself as a kid, like, how could you allow, but how, how, how not? She's a woman, and, and you know the, the women, especially in the black community, I, only, I don't mess with women. Uh, I only all my friends. Are <laughs> I don't me. hang with women. Yeah. yeah. So That's why don't you understand why we get annoyed with you then? If yeah, you know how. Right, <laughs> right. right. Oh, so it's all men. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting my mom. She's been abdicated. This is her house. Mm-hmm. But 
according to my, my observations, these niggas is running the running the building. But they have a great deal of respect for her because she's the elder, mm-hmm. and you know she's much older than everybody else. I'll be back. I'm gonna run to the bathroom. Y'all go ahead. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So I I used to like be like, man, how could she allow this to happen? But she also was somewhat at everyone's mercy because she was a woman. You know, if she gets emotional, they're going to. Right, man. What they're going get to, out? He's like, yep. man, what we don't. So it was, it was quite the, it was quite the uh, environment for any. I don't think anybody should grow up in that environment, man. But, um, yeah, and, and again, this this podcast may seem as if we're coming down hard on the woman, and that's simply not the case. I think uh, there are many great women. My, my woman is a great wo- woman and a great mother. You know, so I mean, my my mother took all the shots, man. Right. My, my father wasn't even in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, the one she missed, the one she made, you, the you game gotta give she her lost, credit. You gotta yeah, give her credit man. for it. She did the best she could. Man, she, you gotta she give went her to practice. My dad didn't take no shots. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't, he didn't start coming. My dad didn't start coming around. Well, I had. I didn't even know who my father was. I was re. Well, I was introduced to my father at sixteen, and. um you know, then you know he, you know he was basically trying to make up for lost time, and um, but for the most part, my mother, she was, she was there. You know, Pac said it best: when things went wrong, we blamed Mama because she was the only one mm. that was in the building. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she, she someone gets the short yeah, end of the stick. She gets the short end of the shape. stick. Yeah, but yeah. she was. She's the only one present. She was the only one present. She made all the shots, missed all the shots. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, some of the shots, and it's like, right, right. but you got to give it to her. She, you know, if if we made it through what was seemingly impossible for a single woman to to go through, um, we we won the championship. Yeah, yeah, we here. We're having a discussion. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I salute the woman. I, you know, and and you know, even when we start talking about intersexual dynamics and the battle of the sexes and stuff like that. I know essentially, I mean, even from Genesis, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's our fault that we're in this situation. Who, our, uh, our being who? Men. Men, right, right. We we are to blame, ultimately, um, because if we wouldn't, if we knew better. The scriptures say we weren't deceived. Okay, so do we allow her to be deceived? Like, how, what, what I happened? Don't, I, I don't, how did I, it I, unfold? I don't think it was a protection issue um, as it relates to her talking to the adversary. Um, I think he made the decision to, he, he, he followed the woman, but I don't think it was, it was an issue of him not protecting her at that particular time. The protection would have been him actually obeying the Most High. His his submission wasn't to the Most High as it was supposed to be. Hmm. Um, if he wouldn't have never ate, we wouldn't have this issue. So my my moray, my instructor had made a very interesting proposal to me. Um, somewhat, I was somewhat perplexed by it because I had also never considered it, like the details, the intricacies of what actually transpired during that time. And his proposal was, which I believe he believes firmly believes in. He said. He believed that Hillel had already approached Adam or Adam on a number of occasions. Uh, how long was Adam in the garden by itself before Elohim said it's not good for man to be alone? Had, had Hillel solicited Adam prior to the arrival of Eve? Why not? 
Why not? I mean, did did he just leave him to his own devices? Nah, he too tough. I ain't never going to be able to get him. Right. Or did he potentially try to mack him too, right. but was unsuccessful? Then you have someone, someone who comes out of that's him. That's right. And, and maybe Halel is sitting back as an observationist and says, man, look how much he adores her. Mm. Dang, she out, mm. she out here doing whatever she want to right. do. He's become a softie. He ain't right. as solidified right. in his position as he once was. Right. This is the per this is the opportune time for me to holler at him right, right now regarding him. Or holler at her. Right. Not not to cut you off. Man, you see that in sales. You see that in sales. You go to the man, hey, buy this, blah, blah, blah. We're not interested, brother, no. We're not interested. Or even if we do, we got two dynamics. So, like, not interested, we go. Then you go to the woman who is the, the consumer, usually. They usually yeah. are the consumers. However, the man... We used to put put it off on our woman anyway. Right. If we if we say no or like how, I gotta I gotta talk to my wife. <laughs> and a, and yeah. a smart salesman who yeah. has done their training right. will know. That's right. To go through the woman anyway. Right. Even Dang. if they can't even if they can't yeah. sell the man. That's yeah. crucial. They can't. I can't sell the man. Let me go. Let me go to the woman. If the woman right. say so. It, it's pretty much done. A done deal. That's right. That's crucial. Because she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna. Uh, Cater to the emotions of the man anyway. I get to where, where we can't get as salesmen. A salesman can't get to the man. Okay, his woman can. Right. If I sell her, it's sold already. Just like if I sell the children by putting the characters right. on noodles. Yeah. They just see Spider-Man or Mickey Mouse on it. I, you don't even eat noodles. You just want it because you see Spider-Man on it. So it's, it's all the marketing. The science of marketing. Yeah. The science of marketing. Edward Bernays is the guy who I was whose name I was looking for earlier. earlier the father of propaganda. Mm. Edward Bernays. Mm. Mm. So you talk about propaganda, like, like the the, the beers, the, the marriage, the the diamond the ring. diamond rings. Like who? Like where did that come that's, from? How did that? That's the science of marketing. They put propaganda. the value on these diamonds. Supreme propaganda. Man, it's, what? It's, who just happened to be Jews, right? This is mm -hmm. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, the developer mm -hmm. of the nuclear uh, atomic bomb, the Oppenheimer mines mines in uh, in Africa, but he, he's basically the beers. Mm -hmm. So, when you talk about marketing, like they marketed cigarettes, they mar they successfully marketed, man, and made it look made it look made sexy it look too, sexy. made it look sexy, man, breath stink. Yeah. So getting back, right. getting get back mean, to pornography too, like I remember watching a clip, if my memory serves me correctly, of Charles Manson, and not to get so like moribund and mundane and macabre, but I remember Charles Manson saying. Now, you guys, I imagine you guys know who Charles Manson is. Right. But I remember him saying, like, what preceded his predilection to become a serial killer was watching pornography. Man. That was the impetus. I, yeah, and you, I you think I, that? I seen that interview. I think you saw I, that. I think I saw that. That was the impetus. He said, that. He said yeah. watching pornography, and then he went to, like, it may have been sadomasochism, maybe, but which eventually, uh, in, uh, Avalanche or snowballed yeah. into, yeah, evolved into uh, killing animals. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! You know what from pornography? Pornography. That's what he said. I can't reconcile it. I ain't never been majorly into porn, mm -hmm. um, but I was definitely into porn. So I don't know the impact, the negative impact that it had on my psyche. But he said it was pornography first. I, but you got to remember, there are many brands of pornography. <laughs> well, even in the I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to get ready to say there's there's the desensitization that comes with watching porn. So that's what I was... Go ahead. So even, okay, 
that's crazy, man. I, I, I'm going to send you out a whole thing. They went into pornography, too. Uh, Dr. Warren, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. And he said that sometimes the, so like if, if it goes back to the father and everything like that, but how, how, a, how a man goes to pornography anyway, because he's not all, but a lot of the uh, boys aren't uh, cool, so they don't get the, the good looking girls or the girls they want, so they rely on pornography. And then when they finally do get the girl, they want them to do they're pretty much desensitized because yeah. she can't get them get him aroused to where mm. he was with the pornography, and he usually goes back to that, and then so he's desensitized. So it does. So when you said desensitized, being desensitized, yeah, is, yeah, it it. Hmm. I just remember, you know, even even at seven, you know, we objectify. I mean, we're already we're already creatures. Men, men are cre- women are audio and, and men are more visual mm-hmm. already but the you know the corruption takes place when I mean you see how they treat the women I mean there is no <laughs> there is no phases and stages in porn it's just straight to know, it straight, straight to yeah, it yeah, it's yeah. just uncut I ain't never no. seen it myself I ain't. <laughs> 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 well yeah it's you know so that that desensitization piece I think yeah. I could see how mm. you know he probably didn't value you know it kind of it i mean because ultimately this is and i mean i'm just thinking about it right now but ultimately i mean sex is i mean it was the first command given to us in order for us to remain a species and so it's like this right here is is actually sacred you know human beings are produced out of this but when you just make it profane and normal and polluted yeah yeah, polluted it's like it almost begins to uh, it, it begins to tell you that you know you shouldn't value humanity you mm-hmm. shouldn't value the species the, as object, much as, the objectification of women yeah. so we see women as sexual objects like as, yeah. I want to impose my will or impress my will upon her mm-hmm. in whatever capacity so the the, the desire to dominate mm-hmm. that's an entirely different but right see right also exactly. That, yeah. that's exactly yeah. so, so you don't go ahead my back. No, you finish. No, I'm done. Okay. I, I just I'm, I'm let, feeling let me, let me what he's saying. Yep. Go ahead. So, Ariad talked to me about this as well. Like our desire, which is possibly inherent, to dominate and all. Because remember, we were given dominion over the earth. That's right. So we're very dominating, even you know domineering when it comes to you know sexual or copulation, right? Mm-hmm. So, sex can be like you talk about making love and romanticism and all of these, mm-hmm. you know, ideological, you know, elements related to, you know, disengagement. But ultimately, like, when we think about rap and movies, it's always barbaric, yeah. typically. And I don't think we have, I don't know if any party has an issue with that, but I do believe women also desire more, more sensual, delicate, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, operation as well, yeah. But we we witness barbary, yeah. You know, and, and, and pornography and and almost like a. So it's not a mixture. It's, it's just that. Sub, it's so we just, think that's the reality of the matter. Yeah. So when we we enter this sacred chamber to engage in this uh, B- corporeal barbers, activity, yes. It man, I'm, I'm about to dominate in here. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my idea of what I'm supposed to do in here. So again, 
you had a dad teach you about what you're supposed to do? No. We, there's no education. We just, it's process <laughs> of elimination and yeah. it's trial by it's error. Tri- yeah. yeah. Oftentimes to our dismay mm-hmm. and we're disheveled and several relationships later and you know, well, man, what, what am I supposed to do here? Right. So when you talk about pornography and even getting into etymology, word etymology, etymology pornos, mm. pornea, mm-hmm. perversion, mm. you know, Christians, wow. neo-Christians yeah. interpreted as fornication, which is a, mm-hmm. which is a gross misinterpretation of, of what Elohim wrote. Ro- Elohim wrote kata'a, sin, and zana, sexual perversion. Mm-hmm. So we can read about sexual perversion in Leviticus chapter 18. Sexual ver- perversion is very specific. Yeah. Very specific. Elohim says you can have sex as long as you do it within these parameters or these guidelines. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Be fruitful and multiply, it's, it's as you lost. said. It's one right. of the first right. commandments That's to right. secure our legacy, right? Mm-hmm. To reproduce, to proliferate. Um, but when we get into like whoredom, yeah, it's a reason yeah. that all of the most popular female rappers are are, are former mm-hmm. strippers. They pulled them out of the strip club. Mm-hmm. So again, are they very back promiscuous? Mm-hmm. Promiscuity. Pr- yeah. Uh, sexual perversion. Um, mm-hmm. um, sexual deviance. Mm-hmm. It's a reason that these people get these platforms. So we going back to conspiracy. Why? Yeah. What yeah. is this? Is this not the theme music? to the movie that we're playing out right now. It's the theme music, demonic yeah. drill music, whatever yeah. else, and uh, lascivious and licentious uh, music that women promote. Yeah. You know, So children are, this is being filtered yeah. through underdeveloped psyches yeah. that mm-hmm. haven't fully developed. Me and you may yeah. listen to it. We know how to compartmentalize it. Oh, that's terrible. I ain't, but See, children, I'm, that's, I'm, man, I'll be, I be playing like jump for my, my daughter, like very specific, but very particular in the music that I allow her to hear. I was amazed by how she she's three. I'm She's trying to recite this yep. the lyrics. Yep. Yeah, man, it's, can I you mean, imagine? That's how they teach them the alphabet. It's a it's a it's, repetition it's, it's, is the father. It's rhyme, yeah, rhythm, right. and yes, all that. Yes, yes. Um, well, what I was gonna say also, speaking about sex and porn, men. That's how we also express our love too mm. for the woman. Mm. So then, with what we are seeing on TV now, with the whoredom of it in pornography. It gets tainted. Mm. That gets tainted. Absolutely. Like yeah, there's a so we don't know how to car, car, uh, compartmentalize it. Right. Like you said, like right. uh, yeah, there is a time for aggression. Yeah. You know, the woman absolutely. likes that. They want us to be dominant in there, but also with that is theirs, is their love, is their is their passion, yeah. is their that connection. Right. And women can feel the difference. Women yeah. know that men can too, but women really know. Like wait a minute, mm-hmm. this ain't. I don't. I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. So that's every, what our favorite rappers mm-hmm. promulgate. We done. Get up out. Twelve a.m. on my way to the club. Right. Six I be kicking her out. Yeah. Right. Like after this, this deed is done. Mm. You have to leave. There's no coddling or mm-hmm. you know. There's no intimacy after after you know we've been intimate, if you will. But that's an excellent point because the desensitization is what is being disseminated on all avenues. Yeah. Video games. The murderous video games. So children are saying, yeah, we've been playing Call of Duty for for long enough. Let's take our act on the road. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, and and this is something that's been, I mean, I'm you know I've been listening to podcasts and stuff like that, and I keep hearing this. This is being echoed on a lot of podcasts, especially the ones in the in the uh, quote unquote manosphere. It talks about how the feminist movement, you know, it joined in with the sexual revolution movement, and a lot of the, a, a lot of men are talking about chivalry, and they'll say things like, you know, if chivalry and romance is dead, it's because women killed it, mm. and they did it via the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. Because now, 
you know, there are a lot of women out here that want traditional men, but they want to remain non-traditional. Mm. And so they're up under the, the, the banner or the, the, uh, they're up under the political, I don't know, manipulation, whatever it was that motivated them to want to, um, you know, do this kind of stuff um, of sexual revolution. Yes. And now it's become to their detriment as it relates to our respect to them because you come into us uh, untraditional, expecting us to be traditional, yes. but we're going to treat you how you come to us. Right. We're not going to treat you like the wedding dress represents. Man, Coyle Ray is a Benzino's daughter. Light skin, high yellow, uh, one of the rappers. Get your high <laughs> yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coyle Ray, I think, she, I don't even know if she's, I don't know, but whatever. So, she's a. I've heard of her before, light. too. I've seen her. So, I seen this tweet, and the tweet said, women are out, out rapping and out swagging. Man, I, I, saw, I, saw I thought it was preposterous. Okay. I was like, what's out swagging? I don't know what that is, but out rapping, I thought that was preposterous. But um, so I, I, I listen. I was on Twitter and I scrolled past one of Coyle Ray's new new songs, and it and the lyrics to the hook is, "It's my party and I f who I want to, f wow. who I want to." No, it's my body and I f who I want to, f who I want to, f who I want to. Sexual freedom. You basically. would, mm -hmm. you would something to. Whatever, basically sexual liberation. Liber yeah, yeah. So this is, I, when, when, see the thing is, when you talk about polygyny or men having multiple women, this is something that has been practiced uh, from, from since time immemorial. If the man could accommodate uh, the woman, if he provided commodious living quarters for her, he, and he had the pecuniary uh, surplus, right, to mm -hmm. take care of the women, he can right. have as many women as he, as he wanted to. Right. Um, so women, polyandry, is the antithesis to poly polygyny. Mm -hmm. Polyandry is something that's probably practiced in 0.3% of the world, the, 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 the whole of the world. Polyandry is when a woman can have more than one husband, mm. which is, it doesn't get any more preposterous than that, <laughs> in my opinion. So, so I, I, a lot of women would even oppose to that. Yes, absolutely. Like absolutely. there's a lot of women like, I don't want. But there are a lot of women in this generation the side nigga, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. dispensation, so, yeah. Man, there are many <laughs> because women, they don't look at it as polyandry. Dispensation, man. That's yeah, exactly yeah. What it is. There are many women who are saying, "Hey, man, we're no longer going to be on a tail end of whatever transpires between our union or our party. I'm going to get you before you get me." So that's freedom, without considering the consequences of that freedom. Usually, it, and it usually affects their children. Absolutely. It usually affects the children the most. I'm tired of you. I'm not ha I'm not feeling this is a good man. This man is working. He may not be meeting all your emotional needs, which is a communication thing that can take some therapy or you guys communicating or coming figuring it out that you guys are growing together. But because I'm not happy because of you're not doing this, you're working, you're a great father, but you're not making me happy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tear up the whole family mm -hmm. wow. because I'm not happy. It affects the kids more than it's, 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 either it, parent. It, you know, and in the advent of birth control too, um, kind of liberated them too because it put the woman in position now to where she 
it is of no consequence to have sex mm. because mm. you know now you know I could just go mm. whack the baby or I could just go you know I mean I think it's like 36 to 37 forms of feminine birth control out there. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and it's Man. only one for Fra- us. One for men. Yeah, Fra- one or so, two, so maybe. To the to the clips that you sent us, that's what that man, the white gentleman, was saying. Warren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said that women want to. They don't want the responsibility of being mothers. Right. But they want. To, what did he? How did he word it? I, I, I think he said it. He he pretty much. They want to engage in these activities without the responsibility of being them, even though they yeah. know that it, in engaging in in these activities, or in copulating, this is ultimately the byproduct or the result. Of this action. action, they don't want that action. Right, right. Which is selfish. It's yeah, it's that's, it's, that's what it's uh, yeah, yeah. He said it's selfish because you're not considering. So it's not the man or the woman. It's the children at this point. Once you're having the children, when you put the and I think their needs and desires take precedence. Yeah, their needs and their desires immediately. Yeah. immediately, and that's what we he saw with the, the 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 feminist movement when women wanted these things. Like, hey, you're it's going to negatively affect your children. This is at 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 mm. at the expense. You know, these are your at your children's at expense, expense. You're going to get your freedom and your liberties and all of that. But look at and look at it. Look at it now. Like I work in the educational field. Like we can, I can almost tell a, a kid who doesn't have the father in the household or doesn't have a relationship with their father. And we're in Minnesota. This is Shangri La compared to New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, Chicago, Chicago New Memphis, York, California. Like, can you imagine how much it's exponentially worse in these places? Yes. Yeah. If they're in the same, you know, situation mm-hmm. that we're in. So it's interesting that you say that because um with the father, with the father, like whether he's absent. So I met a brother who uh I think his name is Jakai. I met him at the at the gym. And he told me his father wasn't with his mother, but his father was present in his life. Mm-hmm. He's a young dude, re- owns rental properties, career dude, black dude too. I was like, man. So I kinda admired talking to him because here I am this 41 year old who didn't have the luxury of, right. of having a father and um, I'm listening to this young brother admire like he had the opportunity to to glean from this wealth of information that right. his father p- possibly possessed right. which ultimately enabled him to become successful um, and elevate himself from wherever he may have been positioned in life uh, and that's what we're missing and to get deeply like into my personal life, I remember when I was, you know, at North. So my mom had did some time. She got she got sent to prison, and uh, we had to go stay. We all kind of separated. I had to go stay with. I ended up living with uh, Diane Williams, Tierra Williams' uh, auntie, Adrian Williams' mother. That's when I was staying with her. Mm-hmm. So my mom's in prison, right? Paris, London. They go there wherever they. I can't even remember who who they end up staying with. But Diane ended up taking me in, mm-hmm. and um. I remember, like, shortly after that, we, we ended up moving out to St. Paul, and my mom's out, and she kind of gets back on her feet. And so I'm, I, I didn't want to go to St. Paul. I thought St. Paul was lame. I was like, I ain't going to, I ain't going to no St. Paul school. So I stayed. I, I kept going to North. So I'm taking a, the express bus from St. Paul, East St. Paul, to North every morning for, 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 for four years because mm. I was that turned out. I was that. Uh, <laughs> 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 right. I, which I somewhat regret I now. Go, I, I ain't going I to Harden High School. No you way. weren't going I to Harden. None of them joints out there. So I remember, man, so I'm going to 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to to the north side to, to go to school. This is when school, like my ninth grade year, school was starting at like 730 mm. or something like that. Yep. So yep. I remember, man, it was a late night. You know, I've been smoking all day, hustling, whatever I've been doing all day. So I'm going home on an express bus. So I'm getting home at 11, 12 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. every night. Tie out of my mind, right? And I remember like having a breakdown. I was probably 17, 18. I'm on the bus. I start crying. 
And interestingly enough, mm. I started crying because I was thinking about what my life would have been if I had a father. Dang. Oh. Which never had had never wow. hit me and wow. has never hit me since then. I've thought wow. about it periodically. But for whatever reason, man, this lonely ride back to St. Paul, I'm on the back of the bus and I'm again I'm chopped. I'm zooted. And um I was thinking about like, dang, like my I ain't had no dad. It just hit me. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about mm-hmm. head on collision. I was like, man, because I'm going back home. I know my mom a dope fiend. Yeah. I'm going back home. Like, we had food. My mom was a functional dope fiend. Like, she was a hustler. So we had food and all of that. There were times we may have not had food, but ultimately we had food and we had a place to stay. So I'm going back to this environment from wherever I'm coming from. And I'm like, man, what would have happened if, if he was around? And, man, tears. It was a great thing I'm the only one on the bus. I'm the yeah. last stop. Man. But that, it, it hit me. I had that. I had to confront whatever was dismally buried beneath mm-hmm. or abysmally rather buried beneath you know some some suppressed feelings right. that I had never dealt with didn't know existed mm-hmm. reared their no, ugly I, heads I, I feel you man I uh I I think my whole life throughout high school it, it was I mean it, it's it's a blur but for the most part I think I had some kind of identity crisis or something like that myself. Mm. I was, and because you see, I think Drake, he, he was talking about overcompensating and you see all these, these jocks, some of the more popular guys in high school mm-hmm. that look like they got it all together when it come to the women, mm. you know, look like they, you know, some of the cooler guys, more mature, seemed like they were always men, you know, and you wonder how they became what they became yeah. or, you know, you know how do how do they right. think about certain things and stuff right. like that to be able to to this communicate confidence this confidence? Where did it come or, from? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Where does this come from? And I was always like, wow, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I need I needed a I needed a father. I was looking for mentors. Yeah. I was seeking that energy that they had because I'm like, man, you know. But it was, you know, I mean, my situation is a little is is pretty much the same as yours I, I didn't really have it there but you know my mother she told me that this one guy was my father and he wasn't and then I ended up meeting another guy so I really didn't identify with this guy and so didn't look like him you know people telling me I look like my grandmother I act like my grandmother I'm like I don't want to look like my grandmother. <laughs> like, who the hell am I <laughs> who am I <laughs> you know what I'm saying man. I'm like man yes. so I, and I you know I had to take on like I said I had to take on the the Billy D. Williams. I had to take on that's the what, Ralph Tresvents and the that's crazy. The the Bobby Browns and the MC Rands and in, individuals that was probably dark skinned kind of look like me and they I was modeling my whole life instead of actually being mentored. Man, so that's crazy. So by design. Yeah, So I was in. I didn't understand it. I'm just now understanding it as I'm getting older and as you as you're talking. I was in in theater like. I'm, so now I look, I, I don't know if I can say this, I look at the theater kids now, I'm like, they're not the popular kids. Mm. I was popular in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I think you could do anything where we went to high school and you can still be with the crowd because just mm-hmm. the type of school at North. But I was I was in theater. I liked acting. Um, and my favorite actor was Denzel. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my mm-hmm. favorite actor was, yeah. was in Denzel. So then, my, you know, my father wasn't around much growing up either. So I'm like, I pulled from... Um, that like my favorite actors and people I saw and I would act as if I was on set every day I was on set every day every day and how 
people are watching me. How <laughs> do I want? And I would see I angles. Want. I would yeah, see. So that's where I got my swag that's from. That's, that's, that's exactly, when I dress. That is that was my life. Wow. It was this. Man, I, go ahead and go ahead. <laughs> and teach it, man. Go ahead. But that's, that's exactly. I didn't know people. Go ahead. Yeah, but that's how I gathered. <laughs> yes. Who who I was like I was like okay who is the coolest person Who's the coolest in the world. Exactly. Who is the coolest person? How do they talk? How do they interact? And I would take different movies and different yep. scenes. Denzel was my guy. Yep. And then whatever or anybody I saw that was cool that I liked from a man, mm-hmm. I would implement that into my repertoire. And when I was walking and I would I would mm-hmm. I was on TV. I was on TV. I was on every TV. Second. And I was portraying <laughs> I was yep. portraying this character. This yep. is who I was creating myself. This yep. is the character DeAndre. Yep. This is Dre. Yep. And I was the coolest dude. Like, he's smooth. He's yeah. he's without knowing subconsciously, yeah. I I knew that I was acting. You know, I was not acting. I was being me. But this is who the character I was creating. I knew that, and I knew that um, intentionally that I was like, all right, I image myself. I'm on TV. There's cameras on me. But subconsciously, I didn't know what I was becoming because I'm like, okay, this is this is gives me strength. My anger. Mm-hmm. I'm angry. I'd have had mm-hmm. hot temper, but if somebody challenged me, my anger would shut it down because I'm yep. willing to do anything. So that's yep. how I learned how to do that. Um, girls would say, "Not to bloviate, hey, he's something about he's sexy or whatever." Mm-hmm. Not knowing, I'm taking these characteristics on mm-hmm. from characters who women believe are sexy on exactly. TV are cool, and exactly. I think that are cool on TV. Yep. That's that was me. That's how I. Yep. That's how I in high school how I developed the character, mm. but. Um, I didn't know there were some other things that came out when I got married at 21, and I was like, I, I didn't get this thing, the morals and how to treat a woman and how to deal with adversity wow. as a man. We didn't deal with the identity aspect, and that's why I see my kids are, were strong, are stronger than I was when I was in high Definitely. school. When it when it comes to just being themselves, you know, and not not I mean succumbing to peer pressure, succumbing to you know all of these different things. You know my my son, man, he does have a um, uh, an affinity for for righteousness. Like, mm-hmm. Dad, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you you see what I'm saying? Like, you know, versus I had to really fight for an identity. I had to fight for these fundamental things. I think that uh, a man is supposed to to put inside of his his children. Right. And and uh, but man, I'm feeling you on that because that was my life. I had an eclectic identity. Mm. So, mm. so the interesting thing about what you're saying is like, so again, every, I'm a big conspiracy theorist. Everybody who knows me pretty much knows that. But that's all. This is all by design. So I want to read you guys some excerpts from what Plato thought about actors. You know, actors, mm. which uh, is a hypocrite, Hippocrates, uh, yeah. Greek word. Yeah. Where we get the word hypocrite from, which means to wear a mask. So, actors, you know, share the same social status as prostitutes. Mm. And I want to say the 16th century. Okay. So this okay. is what Plato said about uh, uh, what he pers- thought about actors. Plato's moral objectives were echoed widely in Roman times, leading eventually to theater's decline. During the Middle Ages, theatrical performances gradually reemerged. The mystery plays accepted as part of church life from the 16th century onwards. Once theater was reestablished as an independent profession, concerns were regularly raised that the acting community was inherently corrupt and that acting had a destructive moral influence on both actors and audiences. These views were often expressed during the emergence of Protestant, Puritan, Puritan and uh, ev- evangelical mo- uh, movements. Both Plato and Aristotle saw 
in mimesis, the representation of nature, including human nature and as reflected in the dramas of the period. Plato wrote about mimesis in both Ion and the Republic. He states that poetry is the art of divine madness or inspiration. Because the poet is subject to this divine madness, instead of possessing art or knowledge of the subject, the poet does not speak truth. As Plato has it, truth is the concern of the philosopher. As culture in those days did not consist in the solitary, solitary reading of books, but in listening to performances, the recitals of order, orators and poets, or the acting out by classical actors of tragedy. Classical actors. Mm. Plato maintained in his critique that theater was not sufficient in conveying the truth. He was concerned that actors or orators were thus able to persuade an audience by rhetoric rather than by telling the truth. Mm. Or so, even, even orators, not just actors, but orators, orators as well. Demagogues, yep. Which, is, which Obama was, which many people are. But So to put everything in perspective, you guys are saying this identity issues, right? You were an actor. Yeah. Problem, reaction, solution. Synthesis, thesis, ant antithesis, right? The Hegelian dialectical. The, it, the problem is... The man is in a crib. We need him out of there. Mm. The reaction is, in this, in this instance, is we're going to get him out of there, right? Mm -hmm. By any means necessary. The solution is, okay, now that he's out, let's provide for him actors, entertainment. Mm. Mm. So, like you yeah. just said, you pruned from all of these actors yeah. certain elements of their character that you saw worthy to be incorporated in whoever you were as an individual. Mm -hmm. And that's how you acted out. Mm -hmm. So Plato spoke very disparagingly, this tremendously disparagingly about actors. Why? Because they, they operate in deceit. Mm -hmm. They're pretending to be someone that they're not. So Man. again, his, like I told y'all earlier, <laughs> it all boils down to morality. Plato was dealing with morality. Let's deal with right and wrong. Yeah. And he said what they did was not, as sufficient, was not sufficient in conveying truth. Wow. And this this is uh, and it's amazing because it's it's ironic that you know when you watch these movies and stuff like that they rate these movies you know um, and you can watch these movies with your children and they'll put a label up there parental advisory <laughs> but the parents ain't even in the household because of whatever they did exactly. conspiratorially to get them out yes. you see what I'm saying so like even when I'm sitting watching a movie with my child you know I'm right there. I'm there to separate the game from the truth. Right. Like, look, you know, I don't want you to think that this is okay. Let's not glorify this. I said, this is the intent in the movie. This is what they were trying to, to get across. Because I know art does imitate life. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So there is some element of right. truth, truth or at least it. reality. Right. Yeah. Right. You true, see what I'm true. saying? And so uh, you can extrapolate, you know, whatever wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that you're actually supposed to get from the movie instead of the, the glorification of it. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the cat leaving the theater feeling like Ice Cube right. and shooting cats in the right. theater. Then you know, yeah, yeah, back in the day, it was, <laughs> I mean, individuals was getting blown away at the Skyway yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, New Jack City just came yeah. out or, you know, things like that. But... Um, getting back to what you were talking about, without any parental advisory, right. these actors are this this industry is definitely dangerous. I mean, it's it's listen, listen to this, man. He said for Plato, theater was philosophically undesirable. It was simply a lie. It was bad for society because it engaged the the sympathies of the audience and so might make people less thoughtful. Wow. Furthermore, the representation of ignoble actions on the stage could lead the actors and the audience to behave 
badly themselves. So when you talk about Holly, like look at how many mental issues or illnesses are in circulation in Hollywood. Yeah, it's across the board. And so what Plato was talking about, like to dealt, like you know how many actors have come out and said, "Hey man, I was stuck in the character. Yep. I had yeah. to seek therapy." Yeah. After like, what are they talking hard, about? It's hard for them. Yeah. They had to go away because it had to come out of that character mm -hmm. because they live in that character. And, um, and so that, I think there are a number of things that we just frankly don't understand. Or did but, you hear? My bad. Not no, to cut you, you off. Speaking of Snowfall, you heard of, uh, was it, what's his name? Damson Idris. Damson Idris, I believe he said that before he could get the that role, um, he talked to the, what's the director? Uh, Singleton. John Singleton made him be with him for 24 hours in character. Oh, wow. Mm. In order to get that role, he had to be in character for 24 hours. That's tight. That's crazy, though. Um, That's I, I think... To, to take on an identity that doesn't belong to you. We don't know what that does to the psyche. Mm -hmm. We definitely don't know what it does to an underdeveloped psyche, mm. to a child. So the parental advisor is like, this is poison. Let's slap a little stamp on wow. it. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just poisonous. The, the the impact, the negative or the adverse effect that it's going to have on this child is incalculable. Yeah. It does it's it's does it's not voluminous. It does it's not quantifiable. You can't gauge the destruction that it's gonna mm -hmm. engender. So from a very small child, cartoons. Yes. Cartoons have this is this is about ideology. This is about the promotion of how they want us to think. But you got to take the man out of the house, preferably the woman too. Give us your children, and this is what we will present to you. So what do you have? You kind of have liberalism. You kind of have feminism and all of these. But remember, they take our children. The woman was the first teacher and the homemaker. Uh, that's no longer the case. Mm -hmm. But we have the solution. The solution is can, uh, daycare. daycare. K through 12. Mm -hmm. So by the time your child graduates and goes into college, we've indoctrinated them. That's right. They believe exactly what we want them to believe. Yeah. Successfully. Uh, they probably don't care, think too favorably about whatever God that you, you know, believe exists because this is the antithesis. This yeah. is antithetical mm -hmm. to uh, anything that pertains to the Bible. And Plato and Socrates and many of these philosophers understood the damage Many, many assassins, women, female assassins, geisha girls were act, actors. Dang. They can pretend, really? you know what I'm saying? They can present themselves in such a way. Wow. I don't know if you've ever seen Red Sparrow seen with Jennifer Lawrence. They can present themselves in such a way, get in the, the bedroom of high-ranking officials and yeah. senior-level government officials and uh, effectively assassinate them or poison them or whatever. So they utilize women in this capacity specifically because obviously women can yeah. play on the emotions of definitely, men, definitely. powerful men uh, particularly. Um, so, again, like, it's multifaceted when you talk about deception and all of the, the avenues that they've covered. We're in a condition that we're in. How many outside external enemies are we fighting at one time? We That's, fight. It's, just, yeah. it's so many. That Boy, it's, what? It's, Man. It's, you, it's, it's too you, many. You, mm -hmm. you said something off. about entertainment, though, to me a long time ago. Um, I think you were referencing Tupper Saucy's book. And you were talking about learning against learning. Learning against learning. The Jesuit model. The Jesuit model. Learning against learning. Learning against learning. And that 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 was so that that I mean Heavy. It, yeah, it it heavy. Because entertainment and I remember um I remember my man, I guess he tried, I don't even know if he knows about this, but KRS one, he had he had coined this phrase called edutainment. Okay. Because he was trying to to use entertainment to educate, educate. to liberate, yeah. you know, you remember the conscious mm -hmm. movement in hip hop and stuff like that and how, you know, that was destroyed like Black Wall Street was. Anything in association with any kind of generational wealth, whether it's 
uh, currency-based or intellectual somehow, I mean, is terrorized and, and, and destroyed, mm -hmm. and, you know. But yeah, man, learning against learning, putting these weapons of mass distraction in front of us. Like that. <laughs> like you know that. What I'm yeah. In order for us to be able to, uh, to be, you know, just basically thrown off course right. as it mm -hmm. relates to, you know, um, us fulfilling our destinies as, as men and women, black men and women in particular. We want to inculcate vanity upon you. We want it to become an indelible mark on your mind. As Plato suggested, thoughtlessness. They became mm -hmm. less thoughtful. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, l less substantive thought. Yep. You know, yep. Am I considerate of this person's feelings? Mm. Uh, should I give to this homeless person? Uh, right. Should I help this individual in need? Like, Which should be an eight. Like, instantaneous. Like, right? A compassion right away. But that somewhat yeah. diminishes that. So what, it, what does it become? No new friends. You know the irony of civilization, no man. No new I, friends. I, be, I, man. I see this woman, man. She had a tattoo that said, trust no one. But yep. they be in like a, a crowd full of people. people. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> man, want to be surrounded. Because they don't want to be alone. Yep. Surrounded. It's crazy. So uh, before I wrap it up, um, speaking to not, you just said something about uh, kids differentiating between um, right and wrong and you just said something that slipped my mind. What did you just say? When he was talking about um, acting. With acting. And, and Oh, we were talking about uh, knowing when and when not to give and to to uh, the homeless and, oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Being able to. It's crazy because also they were saying uh, with fathers, the effect of what they call it tumble and play. Like when you're wrestling, you do it with you mm -hmm. talking about with your with your daughter. Mm -hmm. But from that, from that, usually the mother's watching. Like, are is it? Should I stop them? Should I say something oh, yeah. or whatever? But however, the kids through that with the father learned boundaries. Oh, okay. learn compassion. Yeah, yeah. Learn, you know, because you you because you while you're doing that, you learn. You know, kids eventually they initially they'll go all out. And you you stop them and say you stop them and say hey no we can do this but we can't do that right mm -hmm. so they get that compact that love from you but they learn basically socialization from yeah, that yeah, from, yeah. from from tumble from tumbling play, and play. My that's what they call stabbed it me in the back like, with a sharp <laughs> you stabbed I, me in the back I, I, I had to tell her like you, no no weapons we can't yeah. do that we can't but do she, that you said but they, she go that, all out yeah she's aiming to hurt yeah but that's yeah. how they learn not to go too yeah. far and wow. They learn compassion. They learn empathy yeah. through that. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, cool. yeah. So before we before we end to wrap it up, how as men then, all of us sounds like we, we grew up without our fathers and, and um, single mothers in the household. Um, and I've since then developed a pretty a, a good relationship with my father. So that has helped me tremendously, and also to see him interact. So I'll go through all of that again without having my father. If it means that I get to see him interact with my children, mm -hmm. so like I sacrificed that, so that mm -hmm. I can become like mm -hmm. now I have. But that gave me the desire to be a better father. Like okay, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna fight for my children. But now, it also okay now forgiveness and then empathizing and trying to understand my father why things went the way they went has allowed him to come in and have a relationship. Us to have a relationship one, but then him to have a relationship with my father because I didn't have any grandfathers. I didn't. I had all women, so I had a. Mm -hmm. I had so at one time, uh, I had my great great grandmother living, my great grandmother, my grandmother, mm. and my mother. Dang, that's crazy. That's like we don't see that amongst yeah. men. I didn't even have a grandfather, but I had all those women. The matriarch. The ma yeah, yeah, yeah. I had all of that. Um, but 
So then as as men, how did you not become a statistic? But then how do we teach our children and then become better men knowing the things we know about ourselves and the weaknesses and then the, the things that we didn't have? How do we guard them from, one, guard them from what society is trying to put on them, but also from ourselves, from what we don't know, and, and as we're becoming better men? I think I, you want to take it first? I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I think a, a lot of it has to do with just nature. Like, I think I was genetically predisposed, <laughs> like, yeah. in some cases, man, where, um, because there were men that came into into my life that um, I gravitated to. I don't know if it was just because they weren't in my life every day that this was something different. And um, just instinctively, I knew this is something that I was supposed to to gravitate to or be attracted to. And so there were there were there were three men in my life. I think that um, um, you know they were in and out of my life. Um, but when they were in, they gave me enough to be able to um, uh, to live off of or to survive or thrive off of um, that gave me some sense of something concrete within myself to hold on to long enough for me to be able to start making right, uh, making educated decisions, you mm -hmm. know. And one of them was the guy that I thought was my father. And he taught me something. Um, that was indispensable. He taught me to read. He took me to the library. Mm. Mm. And so I never lost that. It was it was like a gift that just kept on giving. And it aided in, um, you know, me developing, uh, you know, these, <coughs> developing an identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then um, uh, my, my actual, my biological father, I met him. He was more practical. He was more hands-on. He was more action-oriented. Uh, he was the type of guy that would take his dreams and make them a reality. Mm -hmm. And this, this, this happened later on in my life around 17, 16. And uh, they, they came at different periods of my life that I think were like epochs, you know, just periods in my life that really matter. And Not then, Tupac, but epoch. Epoch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then... Um, from a spiritual perspective, uh, it's, it's a gentleman um, uh, that I met uh, in the United States Marine Corps that um, uh, that that kind of um, I'd say, man, he he was he was he was like a spiritual genius, <laughs> and he um, he he helped me uh, as it relates to my spiritual life. And I think those three outside of, I mean, my mother, hands down, is in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you the, <laughs> you know you the real saying? MVP. <laughs> she the real MVP. Um, but when it comes to men, you know, those three men and my mother, I think really, and, and last but not least, uh, and I know this may even sound cliche, but uh, hip-hop. Mm -hmm. No, no, definitely. I think, that, I think <laughs> we all can attest to yeah, that. Yeah, hip-hop. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's what helped me. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I started reading the Bible at, Bible at 18. Um, that's incontrovertibly, irrefragably what helped me. Um, you know, my mom did what she did. 
I was I was the first boy. So my older sister is 16 years older than me. So I was the first boy. Uh, so I, you know, my mom probably instilled a number of things in me earlier on before she actually became a heroin addict uh, while we were in Illinois. But ultimately, like at 18, start reading the Bible. So mo morality, morality, mm -hmm. theology, ideology, philosophy. I started to. Um, acquire a number of other uh, character characteristics or you know characteristics if you will that help me kind of traipse through this terrain you know mm. um, consequently I believe by divine potentially divine providence a number of men came in my life around that time mm -hmm. to help me on my way mm -hmm. Chuck Lafayette Clarence Cloud uh, played significant roles in, because uh, my mom ended up kicking me out at 18. I became this new Christian. So now, when I was a Christian, um, so now I'm kind of like a volatile, unpredictable mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. element within the confines mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, of, of our house. She's still getting high at the time. She didn't necessarily like that. So Chuck Lafayette, brother from Detroit, who used to get high with my mom and cop with my mom, who was an ex-pimp, had just come to my house maybe a year, uh, week or two before that. I was like, what's up, baby boy? So I'm a Christian at this time, so I'm a little different, even though I'm in a trap. And he's just stopping by. He clean, he a Christian. What's mm -hmm. up, baby, why you been doing it? You know, we chop it up, he, so he gives me his number. Call me if you need anything. My mom, long story short, my mom kicks me out. I call Chuck. Chuck comes mm -hmm. get me. Now, Chuck knew me because I was Deborah's son. Chuck didn't know me as an individual. Mm -hmm. He moved me in his house. He had a mm -hmm. five-year-old daughter and like a seven-year-old son and a wife and all of that. So again, this uh, this is makes this is made possible because of the favor that I had. Mm. That ain't really happening. But Chuck was a man. Mm -hmm. was a man. Chuck Chuck's was daughter man. Tiana would come in my presence. You know, certain little girls mm -hmm. take a liking to you, right? Yeah. Tiana would come up to me and try to sit on my lap. Chuck didn't wait to politely have a discussion mm -hmm. with me later on. He he checked her right, right there. there. Yeah. Man, hey, that's a man. Doing? Get out of here. Don't sit on his that's ever right. sit on his lap. Move around. Yep. So you know. Clarence Cloud had two daughters, too, who would do the same thing. He never checked them. I don't know if Clarence was less of a man. Right. Because Clarence was hood, too. Clarence was from Ohio. He just handled he it. He had a European wife, though. He, he moved a little differently. Okay. It was probably like a more innocence. Because it's mm -hmm. like a weird thing. Like, I'm a stranger, essentially. You're getting to know me. But anyway, so these brothers came into my life, man, and helped guide me. Like, I got me my first jobs, you know, took me on little trips with them because I didn't have that. So I kind of saw – I – unknowingly, unbeknownst to me, I sought these interactions with men. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, KD from the YMCA, mm. uh, JR from the YMCA, Big J, the firefighter, like I would go watch them play basketball. And because I had no curfew and all of that, because I was from where I was from, mm -hmm. I'd be there at 10 o'clock. I'm the only kid in the joint. Interestingly enough, none of them niggas offered me a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, you know the YMCA on Broadway. Right. I lived on 26 walk. and Morgan. I'm walking right. through Tangletown. They not, not a single one of them dudes offered me a ride home. But whatever. You know, I made it safely. So, um, as a man, man, theology helped me a great deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's, that's yeah. who I am. Mm -hmm. My perspective yeah. is no longer my perspective. I've adopted Elohim's perspective. Divine uh divine 
a divine worldview. So his worldview has become my mm-hmm. worldview. I see things how he wants me to see things according to what's written in, in the Torah and that's the prophets. Right. So that's helped right. me become the man and, and the individual that I am, and that's how I move how I move because you know I can attribute how I move uh, solely to the Bible. My mom did her thing. She did you know what she could do uh, with what she had. You know, and you know, no resentment. I love her a great deal. That's you know, I'm, I'm the first boy. So, but yeah, man, as men, we need to definitely be better individuals all around. Yeah, respectful, yeah. loving, caring, right. yes, compassionate, yes. sensitive yeah. to how other people feel. Hip hop definitely played an integral role in who I became as a man earlier on too. Uh, but they teach everything antithetical to all of the characteristics that I just named. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. insensitivity, pride, what, what conceit. A, I, what a touch! What a touch of those things. A little bit, they have right? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's about it, man. Yeah, that man. Same. So I. So what I'm hearing the overall tone is because it happened with me, and this is kind of you could probably attest to this too, Dre. The thing that helped me a great deal was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, was reading whether the Bible or whatever books that just caught my attention. And that's how I got out of the character of Dre yes. and became the man, yeah, man. the yeah. man Dre. Yes. Cause I, cause yeah. I, then I saw men and learned principles of men. I respected like, Oh, okay. I'm going to incorporate these things. This is how you become this. That's right. And then also, um, like I said, in positive male role models. Um, and that's one of the, um, Things with when the father's not around that 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 contributes to the success of males is having other positive mm-hmm. male role models. Like if you don't have the father consistently there, you need positive male models around. That's right. Um, so those are the two things: positive models that you can pull stuff from and um, and respect, and then also reading. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, with me too, I can say, and specifically high school. Um, Kerry, you know him. He he came after you, Dre. You're a little, little older than us. What year you graduated from North? Ninety six. Ninety six, and you two thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm two thousand one. But Dale, mm-hmm. Dale, uh, what's Dale's what's Dale's last name? I cannot remember Dale's last uh, name. But Dale, um, he was in the career development. He came in the career development, and at high school, I I knew what I could do, but I just did enough to get by. The delayed gratification. I was having a good time. I was yeah. with the girls. I was I was popular. So right. I did enough just to get by, but then when I got into career development, he looked at my grades. He was like, "Man, I wish I was, like what are you, what are you doing?" And I started going on different things with 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 Dale, which was a black 